Witches and mortals seldom do mix, but when mixed marriage is on the cards, Insanity pursues with the classic 60s sitcom Bewitched with your co-hosts, Vicky Ray, Rod Labby, and Keith Chandler. Witches have never been so exposed before. Hello, welcome to Literary License Podcast, and it's Bewitched Day, and the season's greetings from the Literary License Podcast, from our homes to yours. And today we're discussing episodes 13, 14, 15, and 16 from season one. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We have Vicki Ray. Hello, Vicki. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And Jesse Folks. Hello, Jesse. Hey, folks. How's it going? <laughs> Jesse's and Jesse. his birthday yesterday. Yes. Yeah. How does it feel to be a quarter of a century old? He's just a pup. I'm feeling myself age and my bones are withering already. Well, it's time to sow some oats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get going, let's find out what we've been up to. So, Jesse, besides your birthday, you can tell, uh, what else have you been up to? Uh, um, just getting a lot of work done, I guess. Still working on my website. Have to finish a few touches. Then it'll be published. Um, and working on some more art. Uh, just kind of just doing a lot of drawing. Different styles. Uh, all that sort of thing. And then I had my party yesterday. So I did have a hiatus. Um, didn't work on anything yesterday. I felt super unproductive. And then I've also been working more on some digital art as well. For my boss. So that'll be fun. Uh, Just back and forth, you know, collaborative designs and whatnot. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. And Hunchback, too. Yes. I've actually got, uh, I'm 92% of the way through. Probably halfway through. I have to sit there and say, without giving it too much away, it's getting really depressing, but it's really good. I'm really yeah, enjoying I've, it. I've read it in high school. I don't know where you guys, how you guys escaped reading this shit in high school. I haven't read it in a long time, though, but it doesn't seem like anybody had required reading except me. Well, our my English teacher thought we were stupid, so we got stuff like The Hobbit and this girl about that was hard suicide. Books. And long books. Those were long. Separate piece. Well, The Hobbit's the smallest, though, of them all. Yeah, it is, but it's still pretty in-depth, I mean. What else do we have to read? Yeah, we got, we got like, you know, Pulp Fiction stuff, sort of books to read. So, I wasn't lucky yeah. to get Pulp Fiction. I would have loved to read stuff like that. I didn't realize that was that, a book. Yeah. Well, no, not Pulp. I mean, Pulp Fiction meaning the type of book that we read. Oh, right. I see. Not, I not thought maybe the, Pulp Fiction was a book before. Okay. I think it is a book, isn't no, it? No, Pulp, Fi- Pulp like- Fiction is basically books that were like um you know that you would find at the drugstore in that in you know, yeah. you know kind of real pulpy the little, the high, t- high on okay. action and sex a little turn style <laughs> yeah so we guys we have a lot of books like that to read that's the kind of books they gave us to read so and vicky what are you even up to reading hunchback watching the usual shows, most of Texas, while well, they're not total lockdown, but bars and the restaurants and stuff are kind of closed, which is no biggie because everybody's staying open anyway because they can't catch everybody. <laughs> but be that as it may, um, just trying to get ready for Christmas. We ordered Asher some new wheels for BMX. The sticker shock I might never get over. And that was with the discount for <laughs> bike shop team. I was going to get a laptop, but you can wait for a while. Um, I did finally get to watch the 
the peninsula. I've been wanting to watch it, wanting to watch it for the longest time. It's the, for those of you guys who don't know, it's the second installment from the train to Busan. And oh, oh I okay. loved it. The zombies are fantastic. The action is great. And there's a little bit of heart tugging, but it's still just as lacking from the first movie. Just just a smidge. I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it. I'm going to watch it again tonight. I was going to do it last night. But I really think the Korean uh, Korean people got it going when it comes to horror movies. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell it's low budget and whatnot, but they're fantastic. They do just a great job. And they're really gory. And they usually got a plot. The subtitles don't even bother me. So... Watch the peninsula. It's pretty good. Myself, I've watched this um, Bloomhouse TV series, which is very good. It's kind of weird. A couple of them I have seen before because they come out here as movie installments. Um, each episode's about an hour and a half to two hours. It's called Into the which Dark. One? What is it? It's called, in, called Into the Dark. It's on Hulu. There was two seasons of it. A third season was stopped due to COVID. Um, that should be on next right. year. Um, but they're really good, actually. And each one settled, um, each episode set around a holiday. So I've right. seen the Halloween one, the Thanksgiving one, the Christmas one, the New Year's one, the Valentine's one. And they over here the, one there. I just don't recall it, seeing it. Was on, it was, it was on Hulu. I know it's Hulu, but Hulu, Hulu, your end of the... Stuff. We don't have Hulu in this country, so... Oh, you don't? No. So you're, I'm actually... Your VPN... Um, no, I'm not watching it through Hulu. I'm actually watching it through a pirate, pirate site. Oh, so. yeah, I've got a couple of those, too. Has anyone yeah. seen uh, Lovecraft Country? I've been watching yeah. some of them. Or read them. the book? I want to get into it. I, because I just book. heard I've it. Read, I've read Lovecraft. Okay. Because there's a new um, it's take good. on the, it written by the, someone The series else. is really... Yeah. Uh, I haven't read the book Lovecraft Country. I've read Lovecraft himself. Um, the mm-hmm. TV series is really good. It's very well acted. It's okay. Really well together. And just when it's, it's kind of, it works really well because like after the third episode, you think, oh, this is the end. And then something else happens. And it always feels like the end's coming. And then the end does come. And then something else is happening. It's, so it has a lot of mini endings, which is quite good. It keeps you engaged is that they're not carrying storylines for the whole season you know right like doing. you know a bit like american horror story has a bad habit of like you're watching it and then when you get to like episode you know seven through ten you're like where it goes like this huge dip and you're kind of going no continue watching yeah, it and sudden, the endings like, yeah. the endings for american horror story are always like the most you you always feel like you were cheat, cheated out of something. Right. Like you always expect this glorious ending, and then it's always like it falls flat. Like I remember in Hotel, yeah. the only thing that happens to Lady Gaga is like when the Countess walks out of the elevator, she just gets shot, and that's her ending. Right. Like you expect something bigger to happen to a vampire because I know it's a different take mm-hmm. and stuff, but that was kind of like hmm, something better could happen. The only th- than that, but horror story that didn't bother me, I actually finally got some some happiness in the end was probably 1984. That ending, I really actually oh. love that ending. Was it the camp right, one? Think, huh? Yeah, the camp. Was it the camp Redwood? Yeah, 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 about the camp. Yeah, that one was good too. I like that one. That was that might be my. I think that one might be my favorite right now. Maybe because a lot of us can re- see the relevance of the eighties. Because well, I you know I know Keith can too because we were we grew up there in the eighties. But I mean, it just brought back all the hot. It brought back all the the cool shit. Yeah. Like, all the other slasher flicks, even though they kept showing his face, that was kind of weird. I thought for a while you do. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm really into that I've too. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I like House oh, a lot. I think the I think season one was very good. Yeah, so I was a Oh, yeah, I actually, I did see the hotel one was really disturbing. The guy with the corkscrew dick or whatever the hell that thing was. I'm, I was oh, God, I know. Oh, <laughs> I was totally traumatized by those scenes. <laughs> I would watch that by myself. I was so my friend came over after work to that scene, one of those scenes. And it was the most humiliating. I'm like, they probably think I'm watching some weird, <laughs> like, can I here weird and watch stuff. I porn all the time when I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I promise I didn't pick this to happen. I Yeah, I was so embarrassed. And I just pretended like I was just totally cool and I wasn't embarrassed or anything, but I I, I was. I definitely was. It was so humiliating. Yeah, it always seems like people walk in and, and the inopportune scene of a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah, you have, people what... don't realize you didn't pick it. You didn't like choose this to happen, and you didn't expect oh, it. Or I didn't see that itself. coming. That was just no. Up. I that, didn't either. That's why you always wear. That's why you always watch porn with the door locked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that you're now that you're old enough, Jess. Yes. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and let's see what else I've been up to. Um, yeah, just watching bits and bobs. Nothing too out of the ordinary. But doing doubling up on things at the moment. You know, with Dark Shadows, Bewitched, um, and in the Apocalypse, Toxic Avenger, the musical. Because we are doubling up, so we get some time off over Christmas. So doing a lot of doubling up on my viewing sort of thing um interviewing Anne in the apocalypse cast crew and me mu- and that writers of the music which will be out um next weekend that was so a fantastic interview that was so much fun great so, people and let's see what else we've been up to and yep and then basically setting up some interviews for next year to be used for the next year or two so we're starting to set all those up Getting those all sorted. So yeah, that's what my life is. Oh, and doing the vaccine inoculations of the COVID virus. So basically injecting a lot of 80 year olds, 80 plus year olds at the moment. So. Try to get the bubbles out of the needle. Yeah. Uh, well, were we supposed to do that? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so what we're going to do at the moment, we're going to cut to Story Geek. We're going to tell you what you can watch, where you can download or stream from the privacy of your own home during the COVID pri- Crisis, take it away, Story Geek. What movies and TV shows should you be watching the week of December 7th? I'm Jay Shear, the co-writer and director of Death of a Bounty Hunter, the new supernatural steampunk western available now as a full cast audiobook and a novel. Check out our free preview over at deathofabountyhunter.com. I hope you enjoyed all the Christmas movie recommendations from last week, but now we are back to normal There's nothing new in theaters or much for rent, but if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, we just got huge news from the mouse. Disney unveiled a plethora of new content for Disney Plus, everything from spin-off shows based on the success of The Mandalorian to Marvel content, more Star Wars content, Pixar content, and more. It's, It's unbelievable how much that they just announced. I'm beyond thrilled with the announcement. All this new content does come with an extra $1 a month in cost for Disney Plus subscribers, though. By the way, there are 86 million subscribers, apparently, on Disney Plus now. 
Well, over on Netflix, we did get a few new additions because of December 1st, first of the month. We always get new stuff. We got Chef E.T. Jurassic Park, which I thought was already on that service. Kung Fu Panda 2, Monster House, and The Patriot, which is actually starring Mel Gibson, who is Australian. Amazon has added a recut of The Godfather Part 3, which sounds kind of interesting to me. Air Force One, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Dr. No, Gandhi, Goldeneye, Goldfinger, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, The Hurt Locker, The King's Speech, A League of Their Own, The Natural, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, The People vs. Larry Flint, The Pursuit of Happiness, Thank You for Smoking, True Confessions, and True Lies. Hulu has added God's Own Country, It Had to Be You, Mr. Jones, She Dies Tomorrow, About Last Night, Black Dynamite, Charlotte's Web, The Client, The Color of Money, Dr. No, Eyes Wide Shut, Goldeneye, Goldfinger, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, The Hurt Locker, The Lord of the Rings Trilogy, Sands of Iwo Jima, Sunshine, True Confessions, and The Young Victoria. Disney Plus has actually added new content these past few weeks as well. The Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, which is fantastic, and the entire family can enjoy that. Marvel's 616, which is a TV show, and I will tell you that it is super hit or miss for me. Some Taylor Swift movie that I'm not going to watch. Sky High, Big, Anastasia, and the live-action Mulan is now free on Disney+. Plus. I have yet to watch that, but I definitely want to. My biggest recommendation for the week is that you go back and watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Sit through Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. It's not great. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I would say, is great. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is not great. But the latest film, Bill and Ted Face the Music, is also really, really fun. And I really enjoyed it. So do yourself a favor and go watch the Bill and Ted trilogy. Also, don't forget our new novel and full cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter, is out now. A supernatural steampunk western. Go buy it for yourself or get it for someone as a Christmas present. Visit www.deathofabountyhunter.com for more info. This has been Jay Shear, and I hope you have fun watching all the content that has come out and all the content yet to come on Disney+. Plus. Hello, welcome back home. to the Jay Larson Podcast. We're discussing Bewitched, and our first episode of this episode is number 13, called Love is Blind. Samantha asks Darren to help her plan friend Gertrude, played by Kit Smythe, find a bow when a handsome artist named Kermit, played by Adam West, what kind of name is Kermit? Was that a joke? I mean, I'm still wondering. I know. <laughs> um, but Kermit is attracted to her. Darren accuses Gertrude of being a witch. Samantha refuses to tell, leaving Darren to try to break up the budding romance by calling on model Susan, played by Chris Noel, Kermit's ex-girlfriend. So, Vix, what's your thoughts of Love is Blind? I thought it was kind of a cute one. Um, I like how Samantha tries to play matchmaker. I find it funny how Darren always thinks the worst, you know, and he, out of all, you know, the two Darrens, he always throws the best bets, the most paranoia and stuff. He's, he gets the most upset and it's funny to watch him get upset, but I I always keep, I've noticed the the theme, which I never noticed when I was younger running through at least once in each episode, Sam, I need to talk to you now. When, (laughs) you know, now, and she always asks when, you know, Go, but, well, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> well, well. I know, but I thought, I thought Adam, 
This was before Batman, I'm assuming, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Batman, Batman came out before... in the late, late 60s, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Six, was it really? I, th- I, thought, I thought it was earlier. I haven't, I haven't really avidly watched Batman, though, so I wouldn't really know. <laughs> oh, it's camp is Christmas. You won't see anything camp to watch Batman. Yeah. I have the original series on Blu-ray, and everything's very, very really? clean up and very clear. Oh, and, nice. you don't, and you don't realize that Batman's uh, mask actually has eyebrows drawn on it. it yeah, it does. Um, it makes it look a bit like a, a, a drag, drag Batman. <laughs> Drag Batman. Yeah, it was Adam West was a handsome man though, which is, I mean, and, and I don't know why they gave him the name Kermit, but it was a really well done uh, show actually, because you know it shows Darren interacting with other people other than, and you know Sam has friends, but they always disappear after the first episode they're on. You never hear from these people ever again. I and know it's true. Really like to that's know something that frustrates me about oh. Bewitched. Huh. Yeah, Actually, that's something Batman, that, that, that's something that kind of frustrates me here. about Bewitched. Oh, no, carry on. <laughs> what yeah. frustrates you about no, Bewitched? Um, it's okay. Uh, yeah, um, that um, they never really show much of Samantha's life aside from her like taking out the no. vacuum or cooking dinner for Darren, getting in arguments always with Darren, roast. using always yeah. I always kind of want to see more of like either her witch family or like her actual friends well, in the neighborhood. Comes, or... actually. Yeah, I guess they do get better as like by season three, I think they start doing that a bit more. I do kind of like the more um, well-rounded feel you get by season three, but right now I, I guess they are still trying to find their footing. I keep forgetting it's season one because I've seen these so many times. Um, but I like this episode and like later on when they um, show um, Gertrude, is it? Uh, I'm like, why do they keep acting like she's some ugly chicken? There's nothing. She's an, a, a very attractive she's woman. No she's not an ugly person. No, no. Yeah, that's all. I mean, she's really a downtrodden woman, isn't she? I mean, come on. Yeah, but Darren, Darren acts like she's the most unattractive woman. I like, know. Darren, you need dick. to be slapped. Total dick. Herwood's <laughs> part, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, I mean, why is she such a bad match? They could they could have gone for someone a bit more dowdy, I suppose. Yeah, she's yeah. not dowdy at all. She's actually no. a very attractive woman. I hate the hairstyles. Yeah. I will say, I cannot stand. Yeah, hairstyles. the hairstyle, I guess, wasn't the hairstyle wasn't flattering, but um, it could have been worse, I suppose. Like it could have been like short and Gladys Kravitzy, or you know, because that, that wasn't a flattering hairstyle woman. either. Yeah, but you, but you know that girl too. <laughs> Rolls it up before she goes to bed and wraps it in toilet paper and puts a hair net on it and goes to sleep. Yeah, that's what people used to that's do. Yeah, yeah. We didn't yeah. have curling irons back then. My ex's mom was doing that back in the eighties. Still, you know, before you know, it's like no, if you want to, they still do that. Like, those trends late at night. Yeah, if you go to her house late at night, or I mean, she's probably dead by now. But if you went to her uh, house late at night or what too early in the morning, she'd come out in her housing coat on and yeah. hair all wrapped up. It's like a Christmas. No, you party. can tell that one unwrap it. <laughs> you can tell that older people still um, do their hair like that. Like I used to work in the food industry, and every Sunday morning, you always get like the oldest people in the mornings. Generally, older people always come in, and they still right. do their hair, their makeup the same way. They still have the same fashion sense and same colors from that period. And it is kind of well, interesting how I mean, they look at always Vicky. stick with them. Vicky hasn't left nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> I it. Isn't lucky I put my hair up in a ponytail. 
I can honestly say I skipped the curlers and the big hair, the Aquanet shit. So, mm. honestly, we were lived in age where, where you do get you get kind of stuck in your like the way you dress and stuff. Yeah, I mean, myself is like, I mean, I'm not going to be wearing new styles or anything like that. I'm pretty much how I dress now is probably the the way I'm yep. going to dress to the day I die, sort of thing. So I know we're just casual. I mean, as a, casual, I don't care. As an I artist, I always reinvent right now. So this is dressed up. Yeah, I think you do until a certain point, but then you got. But then the thing is, is that fashion tends to be for the young, it and so good. and yeah, and then th- another thing is, is that what you can get away with wearing when you're like you know up until the age of thirty, you can you get away with it. almost anything. But after thirty, you can start looking a bit ridiculous. It's a bit like drinking. You yeah. can fall over drunk and have a really good time, and everyone thinks you're really cute. Then when you do that after the age of thirty, everyone thinks, "Oh, what a sad, pathetic son of a bitch." Yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind of like perception. But by that time, it's like. But then you kind of get, you know, and then you kind of get lost in work, sort of thing. So you know, work kind of dictates. Well, life and responsibility happens, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um. I mean, they're gonna say with this episode, I think it worked out. I think I think this is a really su- sweet episode, and, and what you were and what you were saying about Samantha's friends, I think this is the curse of sitcoms back in this time. Whether yeah. you're watching the Brady Bunch yeah. or the Partridge Family or any other sitcom at this time, they would have these yeah, friends or these neighborhood that. people come over for like one episode, and then you never saw them again because they never one episode yeah. back to them. yeah. And I think because that's normally because they would get like a guest star, and isn't it? so it's never like a recurring. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it was after I think it's from Friends onwards that we started seeing recurring friends come back. Yeah, that's true. I think it's I think that kind of started then. I think it started like in the nineties when when soap opera television became the the thing where there was drama. That was kind of like the eighties. That was like Falcon Crest Dynasty. Yeah, well, they they did soap operas, but um, but if you look at like the beginning, I think Buffy pretty much really started where every show after Buffy became a soap opera. You know, sort of thing. Yeah. No matter what you watch nowadays, it's a soap opera. If a character changes, whatever happens, that changes. They're, they're, that, no, that's that true. It, yeah, afterwards. the soap opera did kind of affect like all 70s, modern TV now. It did, but soap yeah, opera have been around since the sixties. But yeah, like but General Hospital it's... started what sixty one, sixty two. I want to say, isn't it still yeah, going now or like... something? <laughs> yeah, me? I think it is. I think it's still going. Jeez. Yeah. General Hospital? Yeah. yeah. It's recording at home as we speak. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, but I mean, but soap operas are considered mainly daytime television. And then, and then when yeah. they went to nighttime television, it started like with Page in Place and then carried on with Dallas, Dynasty, Falcon Crest. Not Refresh my memory. Was, was this an evening primetime show? Well, was, Bewitched. Yeah. It yeah. came after Dark Shadows, I think. So... So that'd be five o'clock in the afternoon. Because I remember there's some episodes of Dark Shadows where no. they report. Yeah, it was on in the evenings. It was prime time. The Flintstones okay. was not so a like children's program. Six or that seven? Prime time as well. The Flintstones were prime yep. time? But, yep, eight o'clock at night. No. Be, Bewitch, um, I think Bewitch originally aired at nine o'clock at night. Wow, I'm going to look this okay. up. I, 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 I guess, guess it's not entirely back in the day. When Watergate was going on, we had all the uh, reruns. And I remember I used to get pissed because I couldn't watch Gilligan's Island and Bewitched and shit like that because Watergate was on, you know, oh. and they kept taking up all the shows in the late afternoon to put on Watergate. 
and that used to really, I didn't understand what Watergate was back then and it really pissed me off. So we didn't have regular like 24 seven cable news back then that could like C-SPAN and stuff. So they would really cut off all the shows to watch that crap. But it was a well done little yeah. episode though. I mean, it was sweet. It was, you know, Samantha's like playing the little, you know, Cupid kind of whatever. But she did help them along yeah. a little bit, like with the bird watching and the 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 drink. What else did she do? She kind um, of I think that was pretty much it. Well, she did she did make the other girl go away later on in that. Episode. Oh yeah, that's right. She made her go away yeah. by being insulted. Which was so funny. I thought it was funny after both of her like dress straps are coming loose, she still continues to go forward and she has to mess up her hair to make her go away because she was just she she wasn't she was so determined for some reason. I, I guess her magic didn't work that well or for that long. She it worked long enough for her to go away, but then she was trying to come back which obviously was more for comedic effect than anything else you know there's no when it comes to sitcoms and magic there's no real mythos to how magic works you know if you watch genie or bewitch i can't think of any other magical episodes where they deal with magic but there's no real rhyme or reason to how or why the magic works the way that it does in sitcoms um, or comedies in general so i guess that's why you don't really understand An answer to your question, Bewitch was on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. It was preceded by My Three Sons, which was oh. on at 8.30. And at 9.30 was Peyton Place. Oh, no shit. Oh, okay. oh, I wanted to ask about this one show. Has anyone seen, um, what is it? Uh, the Dobie Gillis, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. Yeah. Dobie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching that on YouTube. I found a couple episodes on there. Yeah. I, I just realized... You really are an old soul, aren't you, Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Cookie, let me your comb. <laughs> Cookie, let me your comb. <laughs> yeah, it's a good show, though. It's it's kind of like a Leave it to Beaver thing. But I also um, realized that uh, Scooby-Doo was heavily influenced by three of the characters from that show. Fred would be Dobie, and then... Um, uh, Bob Denver's character, I forget the name of, was Sh- um, Shaggy. Shaggy yeah. And then there was another character, I think it was the Daniel Metz, uh, Demetz character that was um, the one that inspired Daffy, I think. Either that or it was Tuesday Guild's character or whatever her name is. I think that's the actress's name. I don't remember, but it, I read that in an article recently that those characters were inspired by um, from the show. Well, it sounds like. Did not know. Learned something no. two times. Times today, like, right? And this isn't even related to Bewitched right now. I'm so sorry for going off track, but um, I mean, I think I think another thing about this series that's quite nice is that um, what you kind of get basically is you get the the chauvinistic way is that you know you got a good looking guy, so therefore they can only have a good looking girl. But what yeah. you find out is that, but I also found what I quite like is that Kermit, played by um. Um, Batman, Adam West, Batman. (laughs) um, Yeah, what I was talking about, but he wasn't like the brightest bulb in the book in the box. Quite good to see because normally it's like a beautiful girl, stupid girl. You know what I mean? Where you have like a good-looking guy, he's kind of he's kind of bit, you know, dim. I guess is a better word for it. He's not stupid, right? Dim. But you know, I mean, and he's he's a bird watcher. I mean, how nerdy is that? His name is Kermit. Okay. Yeah, Come on. but I think Kermit was like the spirit a, a animal quite, is the green frog. Uh, but Kermit was quite a um, popular name in the forties and fifties, apparently. Really, if you, I've never. If, if you if you watch um early episodes of whether it's um 
Um, oh, what's the one with um, the Andy Griffith show or um, shows like that from that time period? They always have some character flowing through his name Kermit at one point or another. So it must have been like a, some True. kind of a name at some point. Which is probably which is probably how Jim Henson came up with the name Kermit for his creation of Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. When you grow up with that, those names, yeah. Yeah. So somebody so, mentioned the other day ago, I don't know if we're redoing another podcast or we're talking about something about Bewitched, and someone said they drink an awful lot in that show. Was that Yeah, even- it's real alcohol too, most of the time, unless kids were on the set, they would swap it in for like iced tea, but they would actually drink on the set. So a lot of the time some of the characters are inebriated while on set. That would explain Larry. <laughs> well, yeah. I have to sit there and say though, at this time period, that's what you did. You had cocktails yeah. and people. Over. You, did, yeah. you, know, you didn't, you know. Do you think you they kind, did that on You went to the bars when you were um, when you were younger. I, well, I don't even know if you went to the bars when you were younger. I guess you went to like, you know, when you were younger. But then when you got married, you, you started going to the bars and you just have people, you have your friends over and have cocktail parties. Yeah. And, you know, she, she's well, nowadays, a pineapple on a stick. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays it's seen as like more of a moralistic thing. So you don't really see that in you won't see that typically in a kid's movie or something that's family oriented. You won't typically see people drink now, but back then it was seen as like a seen as a normal thing, I think, because Bewitched, I think, was aimed more towards families, wasn't it? It wasn't necessarily well, just... Well, it was 9 o'clock, so most of the kids have been in bed. Okay, so maybe it was more well, geared towards adults, but it was still it's still family friendly. I wanted to watch Laughing, and my mother would never let me watch Laughing. Now that it's on... Amazon Prime, I can watch Laughing now. Mm-hmm. And see Tiny Tim sing Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Oh, Lord. So, I just played that the other day. That song is verboten in my household ever since I saw Insidious. Verboten. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but I did like the way that... Um, I like the moralistic tales that Bewitch is giving us so far. Yeah. yeah. And and there and there's a lot of heart in, these ep- in, in this episode as well. Yeah. Because they could have made, um, you know, Kermit's um, girlfriend or Gertrude. They could have, I mean, to be honest, I think they mainly hinged that, you know, that character on the name Gertrude, isn't it? Because Gertrude gives a name, like certain names give you a certain feel of a character. Yeah. Like, you know, whether it's Kermit or Gertrude or Beatrice or Henrietta or (laughs) Esther. (laughs) Esmeralda. Esmeralda, you know. Oh yeah, isn't so, she a later character? Yeah. <laughs> so they, but they give, they do give you this kind of a feeling to it. And I think Gertrude's kind of one of those dowdy home names, isn't it? You know, an old-fashioned yeah. name like Gertrude, sort of thing. Even though the character kind of reminds me of Peggy Cass a little bit, a little bit, sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was Peggy Cass until I was going. I, I, I know that's. I was thinking the same thing because. She looks so familiar, but she wasn't. You know? Who is this from? Peggy Cass used to do a lot of um, TV shows in the 60s and 70s. I don't know if she had, but she would like guest star like in Carol Burnett's show or yeah. okay. or Laughing or she'd, be, or she'd be on Hollywood Squares or Match Game and all those kind of shows. And to yeah. be honest, I never knew what she was really famous for. It's just one of these people that used to trot out for all Kitty these different Carlisle, things. You know? Yeah. 
What did Kitty Carlisle okay. ever do? You know, it's like, what the hell did she do either? You know, it's like, eh. <laughs> I mean, Peggy Cass could have come off Broadway. She might have been maybe a Broadway actress or something, for all I know. But she was an she actress, just... comedian, and game show panelist. Yeah. She was nominated for Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress and Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress in the 1980 film Auntie Mame. Oh. So that's why she looks, she does look, look, look just like her, though. Uh, I love Auntie Man, that's one of my favorite movies, all-time favorite movies. So, but um, yeah. So, so it's kind of remind me of her. But I have to say, all the it was kind of good to see Adam West play something different as well. I guess because yeah. you're so you're so used to Batman, the 1960, and Batman came out in '66. Um, so it's right. two years, oh, so okay, two years after this. So it was quite good to actually see him do something else because you're so familiar with just Batman, isn't it? Or you know. Well, the way that I remember the way that Darren introduced um, Kermit just by, you know, name and description um, when he was talking to Samantha and she wanted to see if he had any homeboys at the office to try to hook Gertrude up. Um, <laughs> he was, he almost described him in a kind of, I don't know, way that wasn't accurate to, to him because he wasn't, he wasn't like, uh, he wasn't like the Bruce Wayne kind of uh, woman's, man i guess he was um, a little bit of a player though didn't he yeah yeah yeah, they made it sound like he was that way but he really wasn't at all he wasn't um yeah he was more yeah Yeah. he was more nerdy he was he liked girls obviously and you know you know i don't know what he was doing with the photographs or what he he, there was like a photograph and he was like doing something on it. i didn't know was he signing it was he doing a logo i don't know i think he worked in the advertising agency so he probably was doing some kind of ad right he worked with Darren, he painting, he? Do you think he was painting or stenciling like a logo on the photos or something? Because I don't know what he was doing. You you couldn't see. I don't know. I mean, there's but maybe it all ties in with what we've seen Darren do with like photo. Like, we're looking for a model yeah. for this ad. Maybe or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah, but Darren always has to draw and sketch everything rather than have like photographs presented or maybe he did the photographs himself. But that's the only time you see him or anyone like with that job. Person. He was doing graphics of some sort, you know. I feel okay. kind of I feel kind of sorry for Darren actually when you think about it because in twenty years in twenty thirty years time his his job's obsolete isn't it he'll have to yeah. learn to do it all on a computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is- Technically, he's not that young. Samantha's what probably yeah. late twenties, early thirties. He's got to be in his mid to late forties. He is not a young man. Yeah. Well, uh, I I mean there's the there's his look, but then well, how old is he? Spoke to what age is he playing? Right. You know. It's, you know, it's been like watching Greece. You know, they're supposed to be teenagers now. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing. You know, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm assuming that he's supposed to be around this, you know. I mean, at that yeah. time, I mean, the husband was always like three to five years older than the wife, weren't they, around this right. time? Right. Yeah, at least, I would imagine. You know, because they had to go off and make sure they had somewhat of a career to start off with before they got married or something like that. That's how it normally works. Yeah, I, I got annoyed with Darren in this episode a little bit and maybe the next episode too. I don't know. I, I'm forgetting which episode, but the this one and then um, the one with the magician, which the magician one's not my favorite episode, but I'm sure we're not to that one yet, but mm-hmm. that's just a little bit of foreshadowing, I guess. Um, but uh, Darren, yeah, frustrates me a lot when I watch this show because I just, sometimes I just wish he was accepting because when you love someone so much, I, yeah, but that's eventually he but would he's get... Yeah, he's not accepting. And it's that's annoying, just, I know. Lo- yeah, well, it's, it's I'm gonna, But I'm going to play devil's 
advocate here a little bit because okay. the problem is is when you set when you set people up and that's and say you have another half who wants to set someone up with one of your friends and the worst yeah. thing that can happen if that doesn't work out you've lost that friend yeah it sort of thing and it can and it can okay. be it could be quite a horrible situation to be yeah, in it can so and so i guess you know to play devil's advocate i guess darren's kind of like you know fine you know you, you have a girlfriend here she's a good friend of yours but maybe you want to set it up with someone who has nothing to do with us. So therefore, if anything goes wrong, it's not going to ruin. Yeah, that makes sense. But it was Darren's I, approach that makes him seem like kind yeah. of a an ass a little bit because that wasn't that wasn't his um, perspective at all. And he he was just being really insulting towards Gertrude and making it seem like she was just a really plain Jane and maybe even less than that. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I have no, to agree with that. Just, so. Yeah, yeah, and it's always just him trying to control Samantha, not letting her use her magic, unless it suits his purpose, which is kind of just trashy. And he's not accepting of her, yeah, her relatives. For the, the problem, because you always have Endora coming in there and call the shit out, yeah. you know? So, you know, he yeah. gets called out. <laughs> I love when yeah. she does. Ugh. I was missing Endora in these, in these episodes. Yeah, though. She wasn't in any of them. <laughs> and that brings us to episode 14. Samantha meets the folks. Aunt Clara, played by Mary Lauren, coming back again, bless her, comes to visit with Samantha meets Darren's parents for the first time. His mother, Phyllis, played by Mabel Albertson, feels pushed aside, but his father, Frank, Robert F. Simon, mm-hmm. likes Samantha, thinking she's a lovely girl. When her daughter-in-law has a magnificent dinner, Samantha confesses that it was actually Aunt Clara who helped her with the food and that she's still learning how to be a magnificent cook. This is filmed on November 5th, 1964. What are your thoughts about this, Jesse? I really like this episode just because it really showcases um, Samantha and how much she does value her family and how much she is willing to go to bat, even though it maybe goes against the grain of traditional family stuff. And even though her family's untraditional and stuff, because Darren obviously doesn't really feel comfortable with Aunt Clara or any of Samantha's relatives. He hasn't at this time really met anybody, though. He's never met Aunt Clara. This is the first time. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Because he goes, goes, oh, it's nice meeting you. And she goes, oh, I've seen you, sort of thing, meaning that she's been floating around the house or God knows. But it's almost almost as if, um, just from from the get-go, if he knows that it's a relative of Samantha's, he's just not accepting because he feels uncomfortable and threatened by the fact that these are more powerful beings and he's inferior. I think it's just an insecurity and he feels inferior or something because he is supposed to be I the man in has, charge. Yeah. But I think it has more to do with the fact that the only people that he's met out of Samantha's family is her father and Endora. Yeah. And okay. thinking, and thinking that um, anyone else in the family might be like Endora could be a bit, nerve-wracking if you want some you know you want your samantha to meet your folks and have endora approach which i have to sit there and say we were going to get an episode where we're going to see endora oh i know i'm meet so there and his parents later on well not right. in this block i think it's the next block but so um satisfying. but i mean you know and i'll do course i mean all always says it goes oh do you think that's a good idea my parents are here and all and, and you know you got to give darren credit here a little bit because she goes she's my family and it's very important to her and darren goes 
if it means that much to you, fine. He didn't make a big yeah. deal out of it. No. Um, and 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 I know, and it's, I think that we need to look at Aunt Clara as something a bit different here because this show is that yeah. you know you can look at it from the surface, but Aunt Clara has dementia. Yeah. She's dementia. She has dementia. She well, pre- you know. yeah, but she, either that or she's just getting old where she can't do things. It doesn't mean well. No, no, she she forgets things. She forgets who people are and everything like that. And we we saw we saw that before, and they mentioned it in the episode before with the witch the witch brigade. So, yeah. so she, so she, yeah, so she has, yeah, she has slight, slight dementia, and um, and it seems like Samantha is her only close family member, right? And she, and because of that, because it doesn't seem like, um, I mean, her relationship with the other witches, you know, we noticed wasn't great. If it wasn't for Samantha yeah. booting in there, I mean, they were covering for it's like, oh, you know, but but she's like a nuisance, but but for Samantha, Aunt Claire is not a nuisance, she, and we, we will see future episodes where Aunt Clara is a nuisance to every other witch. We're going to see this sort of thing where Samantha treats her with so much love and Aunt Clara has so much love for Samantha as well. And I think, you know, I think that Darren, you know, Darren first meets Aunt Clara and I had that Aunt Clara has a way of warming everyone she meets, even though she's a bit potty. You know, she's, I mean, you know, look at this, look at this, um, the thing where she's sitting down with, um, Darren's um, folks, and she goes, "Oh, well, she's <laughs> oh, a witch too." Everyone just yeah. laughs it off, and yeah, and her doorknob collection, yeah. and which she actually has in real life at that time. I know. I thought that was so cool that they had little quirks that they were able to instill in their characters like that. And really cool. that's such an endearing character. And, that, that. and another thing, I think you have to, I have to, you have to look at Darren's character in this episode is that. Um, you know, you got the whole mother thing, the overbearing mother thing, you know, letting it, letting her. She drives me nuts. Oh my God. Oh my um, God. I can't even say what I want to say. But I have to sit there and say that I know, I know plenty of people. I know plenty of women who married into, you know, married, you know, married their, the son of the family. And that mother is that kind of archetype basically. Oh, can she yeah. do this? Can she do that? Can she do your laundry good enough? Is she, pressing your socks is she is she ironing your underwear or boxers and they go on and on and on finding are you fault with the daughter my son are you taking care of him <laughs> yeah, because they have because what because it's kind of weird but it's i mean that's the reason why it's mother's sons and daddy's girls that's the reason why this you know, i just like how she gets her sick headaches all the time she says i would cut off my right arm before i do something like that i yeah. have a sick headache, so, <laughs> sick headache. <laughs> But so so we got that going on. But I think that what's really telling is Darren is that Darren needs to tell Aunt His Clara that, that basically it's just like you know it's probably best not to use magic around the mortals right. because at that point yeah. you know the thing is okay yeah you know you got to be careful because you don't know how they're gonna react you don't you know I mean you can have another witch hunt going on they can start burning them again you don't know what mortals are gonna be I mean we we're looking at it from outside your voice view but let's sit there and say that you live in this world and this whole thing can happen. Right. Or if you look at what was going on with other th- situations during that time, as far as like racial stuff, or yeah. you know, there was a lot of stuff going on with it that, like really bad stuff. Advent of the dawning of Aquarius, too. So this yeah. shit was coming out. People uh, were coming out, yeah, just being back then too. But, because but, there's Wiccans all over this country, which is whatever you want to call them. But when Darren, but when Darren confronts Aunt Clara, and he realizes that. He really, you can see that he actually does really love her. Do you know what I mean? That, that comes across, and he goes, 
we understand each other, don't we? He's very delicate about it. And then and she yeah. goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and he, he could tell that he regrets having to say anything. He doesn't want she to say anything. She pretends she doesn't hear what he's saying. She just keeps going on. Yeah, yeah you can tell she's, you can, it, it, you feel like she's genuinely hurt. Like, that's how good these actors are. Like, you feel that yeah. genuine hurt. And, and then when he leaves the room, she's just like, come on, let's go, Umbrella. Hey, let's go, let's hey, go suitcase. Hey, or hey, umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I'm saying with Darren, you can tell that he really didn't want to have that conversation. And he felt yeah. bad about that conversation. And I think that's the first time that we've seen Darren interact in the witch world without bulldozing feeling threatened yeah and feeling threatened or yeah and i thought that was really touching i thought that was so sweet and then and then of course and she said that she felt hurt and then she runs off and then i love basically uh when you know samantha has an argument with darren and then the mom steps in and the and and darren's father goes leave him to it and then she goes you know how can you how can you hurt that sweet well, that's woman? That's because she but, found but out that Samantha woman. didn't make the cocoa van and the pineapple upside well, down. Cake. No, I'm but so what I'm, no, no, but what but what I'm saying is is that you know Darren's father's on the side of Samantha anyway, which is quite good. Yeah, and then right. and she, and she basically, he basically puts a muzzle on her, and then Samantha goes, "It was Aunt Clara that did all this." Is Aunt Clara da 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 da? And of course, that softens the mother. And of course, I love it when she goes, "Darren, what have you done to Aunt Clara?" And then he makes him go out, yeah. go find her, sort of thing. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I thought I thought it was an excellent way to show that. And I love that. And I love the way that Darren's folks take to Aunt Clara. It was wonderfully mm-hmm. well played. And and I and I do like Darren's mom, something about it. She just, I mean, I think didn't she come off like um Breakfast and um uh, Barefoot in the Park with um Robert Redford and Jane Fonda and she um one of their parents in that? I can't recall. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. But, but she's the ultimate mother-in-law. She just got that look. Yeah. She's got that tone. But she just wants to feel needed, you know, because I've, 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 I like my kids, you know, if they get married, I would never really meddle that much. I really don't want no parts of all their personal stuff. But, yeah. you know, I guess in some weird way, you just want to know that your adult children have found the right person and they're taken care of. So I kind of get it. But you don't mm-hmm. go in there and interview, you say, oh, I want you you're a bad cook. You don't know how to cook. You need all my recipes and my knickknacks to spruce up your house. It's oh not- Lord, the knickknacks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I also, I guess what I get from this episode is that I think Darren's an only child. Clearly. Yeah. And, yeah. And so therefore Darren's left the house. So therefore, what do you do when your only child leaves the house and no longer needs you? Yeah. And I think it's more of a testament to that. This right. episode, sort of Yeah, thing. I think it makes it difficult for the parent to let go because when you have multiple children, you have to go through this process so many times to where by the last child, you're just like, okay, yeah, whatever. I mean, I obviously don't have kids. My last child, you're actually I'm pushing about. them out the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm witnessing, I'm, I, yeah. Yeah, I always make sure my daughter has her rent paid. She is not moving back. but i also i mean another thing is is about this meeting the in-laws and parents sort of thing at this time period what would happen is is that you would actually see go you would spend holidays with each other's family so basically you know i remember like growing up sort of thing and then basically having christmas and then my my mom's parents and my dad's parents would spend Christmas with us. We all spend it all together, right? Day, which doesn't ha- really happen nowadays. Now you tend to go to one parent or the other parent. Yeah, it's very rare that you group everyone together that way. 
because divorce has been the real thing for the last few decades too, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, well, it's, it's probably because all these families and in laws were held together. So <laughs> 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 I tell you, well, it was really funny. We had thing. I had Thanksgiving with my ex mother in law, my ex sister in law, and we had a riot. <laughs> so you know, it just just depends on how things are, how who you are. But I mean, I actually like these. I like the recurrent theme through all these episodes that make something that happens in each one relevant to our life, and you can actually relate to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like the family situations, a mother in law situation, or a cooking situation. It's kind of funny. It's like wives back then were expected to like know how to cook, know how to do this. And if you were a new wife, you know, you, you probably didn't know how to cook or take care of your house properly. And I, I find, I don't know why is, I guess I find that offensive a little bit because it's really, not, <laughs> you know, it's not that hard. It's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it, but I guess it also depends on what your repertoire is, is when you first start out. I mean, Okay, yeah. I'm like 55 now, and my repertoire of cooking has gotten very, very good. But I remember when I first right. was starting, it was like hamburger helper. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or you know, ramen noodles. Yeah, you know the thing is, and then and then and then as you get older, you start on taking more responsibility, and then you start learning, then you try start trying different recipes and yeah, trying I guess. things. And you know, and there's there's a lot of disasters that happen in the beginning, sort of thing. I it's guess, like, yeah. I mean, remember what your first fried egg was like when you made your first fried egg and how much grease dripped off it? <laughs> Just like, <"Whoa." laughs> Put a whole stick of butter in that bitch. <laughs> or, or, the pa- or when you make your first pancake and you're trying to flip it over. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. Or your first meatloaf, so on and so forth, or whatever. And then... And then after you, then then once and then once you get and then once you get into a few and then you get like your favorite dishes and then you start tweaking them sort of thing and then to, to it does out. that does remind me of the first few episodes where you have the narration still of like maybe the second or third episodes into Bewitched right. where the guy's like saying and she knows how to cook and you see Samantha burning something and yeah. she knows how to garden and she like is trying to figure out how to garden and everything's dying so she's doing we uh, do think that thing with her nose and wiggle her nose and make the flowers you know magically grow the way that they're supposed to because she doesn't know how to do this yet but it seems like by now she's finally learning how to do stuff but when it comes to having like new guests over and trying to make something really uh flashy yeah for always making a pot roast (laughs) which i don't know if samantha would have had trouble with but i i do know that Aunt clara wanted to pot roast they're probably yeah. hard to get them to come out nice and tender. Right. It's hard because if you, you know, the thing is, if you just don't do it, if you don't brown it, okay, you brown it and then, you know, yeah. then, you, then you add it, it's but if dried, you don't brown yeah. it properly, it's going to dry and it's rubbery. Yeah. It's like, because you may get, and that time pot roast, I mean, they put the potatoes and everything in the pot roast, everything cooked together, sort of thing. And I, I, really like I that. still haven't been, I still haven't been able to do a good pot roast. I can't. My mother that. makes a great pot roast and her gravy's like a food group. And I have yet, I mean, it's not bad, but I cannot replicate what my mother makes. It makes me crazy. Her it's brown like, gravy is the bomb. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> or pie do you ever crust. ask for a recipe? <laughs> yes, but I still can't make it taste like hers. Yeah. Or like or pie crust. Can anyone do your mom's pie crust? No. That's really I don't like pie. Difficult. I hate pie crust. Why do you hate pie? I love filling, but I hate pie crust. Are you one of those terrorists? activity kind of people that need to get the help. <laughs> Jesse, no. Are you anti-American? <laughs> well, I'm definitely not a pie-eating American. <laughs> I like cake, though. Oh, I had, like, the best German chocolate cake from from scratch yesterday. My mom always makes a really good 
German chocolate cake. And I was missing that this year, but luckily I, um, I had a really good one yesterday for my birthday. So okay. that was really, I love German chocolate cake, but I don't like pie. <laughs> I have to sit there and say, I'm like you with the pie when it comes to crust, but my mom can make one that's really light and flaky and it tastes really good. It's not like, you know, it's like, so, yeah, and it, that, it's like got a little bit of sugar in it, and I don't, mm. and that, I can't. Yeah, homemade pie is totally it. different than <laughs> than store pie. Store pie is the worst, but I do yeah. like homemade pie. I guess People my mom always made good pies. Ones. We got yeah. this place. This what's it called? The Cornerstone Bakery down here. It's like they make everything good, but store bought pies, you know, are, are genuinely not that good. But I had the special order for Asher's. He'd like want a strawberry pie. Well, he's not going to know about the rhubarb part. Nobody knows what strawberry rhubarb is down here for most part. I had to order oh. special strawberry rhubarb stuff so I could make a strawberry rhubarb pie because no one knows uh, what it is down here. So no, a strawberry rhubarb is really good. I'm surprised they don't. Why does no one know what that it's is? It's a Northeast kind of thing. Yeah, right? it's a North. Yeah, it's a bit like it doesn't grow it's, here. It's like baked oh. beans. Baked beans are different in the north of, of America than the south. Yeah, that's America. true. That's true. Totally I buy Grandma Browns when I'm in New York to bring uh, home. Grandma Browns baked beans, yeah, or conies. Yeah, they don't have conies in the south part of America. What? Yeah. I, what is that? What is that? It's a white. It's a white hot dog. Yeah. It's, it's oh, and it's not, it's not horrible, but it's I mean, they, it comes from Coney Island. That's where it yeah. originates. What's from. the meat? And it, it's probably pork. I imagine. Mostly pork. okay, yeah, but it's but it, I mean you don't you haven't had anything to add a coney or um what's the other thing that you can't that you can't get anywhere else and only in upstate New York saltwater taffy is different in upstate Italian New York. bread, Italian bread, <laughs> Italian yeah. Bread. So it's so it's, it's, it's just like white bread. So then you aren't eating Italian bread, dude. You're not eating Italian bread. Then. I know, I know, <laughs> and, and that's what's so, that's what's so funny is. It's, like you, you know, people think of America as like this great big thing that you can get everything, but you can't. No. There are some no. things that are so regional. You know, drag subs. You haven't had anything to had a freaking drag subs from yeah. upstate. No, that's New York. not something and, I know. I don't know. And they're only available in upstate New York. You can't get them anywhere else in New York State. No. It's, it's just regional. It's gonna like you know, and there are things like in Tulsa that you I got when I was living in Tulsa, going to uni there, that I can get in Tulsa, but I can't get anywhere else in the world. So yeah, it's, it's very odd. It's very rare to find really good pizza in Dallas, like Chicago or Northern New York pizza. It's yeah, just, Chicago it's, pizza is totally different than anywhere else in the world. So, yeah. it's, but it's you can't odd, get Mexican awesome food or Tex-Mex like you can down here. It's for sure. No, you, you can't, you can't yeah. anywhere else. And you know, lobster. You know, lobster in New England is so much different than anywhere else. I'm getting oh. hungry. Let's hurry this up. I know. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, I think another thing that we can look at on this episode also is being that I think up until this time, you kind of, um, I think TV shows downplayed housework and how easy housework is. Anyone can yeah. do it. And I think this show kind of highlights that it's not an easy job to keep it house. It's, it's not, not an easy job to do all that. No, it's and, not. And I think that's really good that they don't, and they don't make fun of that. There's not, there's not once that Darren goes, Oh, I'm why can't you do it? Or no one says that to her. And I think that's yeah. quite good. Sort of. Thing. Yeah. That is nice that no one belittles her. That I mean, it would be, that would really make me angry if, if Darren started doing that. I would just, I wouldn't be having that. <laughs> and it's sort of, as a, a day, you had, you had those belittling ads. We all know we've seen them on Facebook and stuff. The old fashioned ads about the, Oh my God. <laughs> Thank God. They started letting up on that shit in the sixties. 
Yeah, but I have to say that, you know, it's, it's, you know, this is thought of as like a career, which I think that's quite good. Cause I mean, nowadays, if you're a housewife, I mean, you are belittled by yeah. everyone now. It's, it's frowned upon. No, that's true. You, you have so to go to college. You have to be a work, a working woman in the world. You can't stay at home with your kids I, and be a traditional mom. In my defense, I can't stand rabid feminism because you know what? Yeah, I, I don't like it either. I don't agree with that either. A lot when women were totally left the house and they were stuffed into daycare yeah. and industrial daycare and stuff. I, I I used to have a career and everything else, but man, I used to hate shoving my kids in daycare. Yeah, it just did not seem natural, and it does fuck your kids up. I don't care. <laughs> so, like, I, no, so but, yeah, you need. You need your parents. You, you can't be raised, you know, by schools and by daycare. There's nothing wrong with being a working mom, but there's nothing wrong with being a mom and taking care of your home. There's the, that. the thing is, fe- feminism should be supporting women that want to go to work, but also women that want to stay at home because feminism is supposed to be supporting what yes, but an individual woman wants patriarchy. to do. <laughs> Down with the patriarchy. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, I, th- I think what you have to remember that I think with Down any with the kind of... I think with any kind of... <laughs> Any kind of movement with, within the human race, you know, whether it's based on, you know, femininity, masculinity, race, so on and so forth, they always got to yeah. beat someone down to lift themselves up. And that's the problem. Yeah. Which yeah. is really sad. No one ever wants to work alongside other people or lift them up alongside to be equal. They always want to be bigger than the other person. And that's only going to pit continually perpetuate this pitting of different sides and no one's gonna budge unless someone allow it yeah and no one's going to step up and be the bigger person or rather it's not going to stop unless someone chooses to be the bigger person well that's why (laughs) well that's the reason why that if you guys all look up to me and i look down (laughs) on you we have a great balance of power going on here (laughs) 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 I bowed down to no man. (laughs) This brings us to episode number 15, A Vision of Superclones. (laughs) The Kravitzes and Stevensons participate in a program that allows orphan children to stay with adults for the holidays. When a Stevens young charge reveals that he does not believe in Santa Claus, Samantha takes him to the North Pole. Bill Daly and Billy Mummy guest star with Cecil Calloway appears as Santa Claus. What's good about Cecil Calloway is that we covered a film that he was in earlier this year to spin off Bewitch, which is I Married a Witch. He was in that. Oh, okay. Which one's that? Um, the one who played Santa Claus was in the movie I Married a Witch. Oh, was he in this? Yes, he was Santa Claus. That's why you don't recognize because he's all dressed I up. I didn't notice that. No, I didn't yeah. know that. Yep, the lead guy in I Married a Witch plays Santa Claus and Bewitched. I so. did not know that. So. That's cool. I so, love this episode. This episode was pure holiday magic. Yes, I, it was. It's like, you know... TV series can do Christmas things one or two ways. They can make it smallsy and really like, you know, where, the back of your, where, yeah, where there's so much sugar going on that the back of your teeth ache because it's, you know, you're getting into mm, yeah. tooth decay. Or exactly. they can do it warm and fuzzy and just bring a smile to your face and really bring the Christmas spirit without going overboard. Yeah. And, this, exactly. and this does it without losing anything within its um, storyline and in its characters either, you know. It would have been probably pretty easy to do kind of a 
a Christmas Carol-esque episode of Mubby Witch Setting, which a lot of TV series does. And they it's quite do. good that they, they've done something totally different, but able to incorporate. But I love the way they were able to incorporate the Halloween into the Christmas as well. I know, I know. They did it before Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> So. I like how they she gets her pointy head on. I really like that the kid from my fit was not my lost in space. Lost in space, yeah. yeah. And from Twilight Zone, he had a brief episode of Twilight Zone as well. Yeah, he was the kid who could make anything happen, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. That was one of my favorite episodes. Town so, <laughs> of Willoughby's always going to be my favorite one. Oh, oh yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> Next stop, Willoughby. Next stop, Willoughby. <laughs> But no, this is really, it was delightful, actually. It was really nice to see Sam. She Well, I know Santa Claus, you know, and if she didn't do it in a dream sequence. And then Darren, she got him to jump on the bandwagon and go to the North Pole. And he got all excited about seeing Santa. So. Yeah, as if he was a child, you know, because, you you know, obviously we're, we're dealing with a universe where traditionally, it, obviously in our world, Santa Claus isn't real, but then you take it into like a different version of our universe and all of a sudden Santa Claus is actually real while everyone who's an adult in this show doesn't actually believe in Santa Claus, but for some reason they still tell their kids, Hey, Santa Claus is real kids. And then you realize he's not when you're an adult. But of course they go and take two children home. Gladys does. And Samantha's family does. They take the two children home, you know, for what they're orphans or whatever. And they want to give them a nice Christmas. You got the bah humbug kid. And then you got the other Sterling, you know, great, great kid <laughs> they get stuck with the problem child so to speak yeah but, which is know, perfect because samantha samantha knows how to handle situations and that's why i love her character so much because every single um episode that i see where she has a situation like this and she just always nails it because she's like i think elizabeth montgomery is just a naturally warm person and she really conveys that with um her role in as samantha she just always comes off as a very totally genuine empowering. charming yeah, there's it's it, it always feels kind of like a fairy tale, like these ep- these kinds of episodes. Um, cause there was a previous episode we talked about. I forget which one it was now, but we also kind of compared it to a fairy tale because there's something kind of just magical about it. Obviously, there's it's always magical when you have a story that's similar to like the Polar Express, where you actually get to go to the North Pole and see Santa Claus and the elves. When it's not portrayed as like an elf kind of, um you know, uh, Will Ferrell kind of a way because, you know. <laughs> Where his dad's on the naughty list. <laughs> yeah, and it's done just for jokes and not not for like that warm kind of holiday cheer. I also quite like the simple fact that they're able to incorporate a really warm, fuzzy story, but still be able to keep the Kravitz zaniness going on. At the yeah, same. yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, and, I, and that's that's. I mean, to be honest, if you, that's kind of a hard thing to juggle. They've done it very, very yeah. well, and um, and I thought that was quite good. And I, and I, anytime you see Abner and Gladys together, and Abner just putting over Gladys, no matter how crazy, you know, and and even though, I mean, let's face it, if Gladys was a real person, I think living next door to the Stevenses would probably. I mean, she would be sectioned by now, wouldn't you? If you were living next to oh, that, yeah. it's like no one believes anything that you say, and you start. But I think it'd come to a point where you actually start, you know, disbelieving what your own saying, sort of thing. Yeah. Or she'd be in the nut house. But I mean, the thing is, is like you know, especially like when they go off to the fly point, it goes Abner, Abner, they're flying off. <laughs> they're trailing them. 
Oh, that's right. They got on the broom, all three of them, and they flew to the North Pole. There are three people mm-hmm. on there. <laughs> yeah, Abner. That poor, I feel sorry for Abner, and I gotta feel sorry for Gladys, because, you know, she's not really bad shit. She's just really misunderstood. <laughs> and her husband just so, what's the word, condescends to her, you know, yes, <laughs> I believe you, yes, it's all right. Or he calls anything, her bad shit in many various and sundry ways, you know. Anything for a quiet life, just like, fine, just carry on, just leave me alone. Abner just wants to watch his game and read his magazine and do mm. whatever. He doesn't want to jack with all that other stuff. Yeah, and I think the thing about Gladys is that you never really see, like, what kind of a person she is. You never see if she's actually, like, a compassionate kind of person. You don't know why she's so nosy or what their marriage is actually yeah, like. what is the You know, what is their backstory? Yeah. I would really like to hear the backstory. I think yeah, we got, a, li- a, I think we got a little bit of backstory here, though, didn't they? Because when Abner and Gladys go oh. to the orphanage, mm-hmm. and he goes, don't get any funny thoughts about keeping one. Right. Abner says to Gladys, and Glad, and you can see Gladys like really want. She, you can see that she probably wanted a child. We don't know why she doesn't have a child or why they didn't have children, but we know that she would love to have been a mother. Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of sad, yeah. and that was a little bit of sadness there. I thought because yeah. you know when, when Abner said, I mean, I find Abner quite funny, but when he said that, I thought, ooh, that that's a douche. Yeah, that's a bit. Maybe, maybe that's why she has such a need to be like the town's watchman because she wants to like watch and protect and you know kind of i think maybe it's a, maybe it's her natural instinct i think gladys is also bullied i mean we saw her bullied by the yeah. the town's women before yeah. in a previous episode that's true um, the next that's ep- true. but next episode that we're going to be discussing you're going to see a little bit of this as well um and it's almost like she really really wants to be liked and i think that if the weird things weren't going on in samantha's house because she always happens to be at the wrong time at the wrong place all the time and i'm and i was you know i think that she does and there is an episode coming up that we're going to actually see gladys um uh, have a bit more interaction with the Stevenses on a different level, which is right. going to be quite nice. And we're going to kind of, it's going to kind of going to bring out their, going to bring out their story a little more. But at this point, it's just like, yeah, we have a lot of backstory on them. But the one little thing that, yeah, what I said before about him goes, don't don't get funny, don't get any funny ideas about keeping one or something right. to that phrase. And I thought to myself, I was like, and then her face, and her face kind of becomes a bit crestfallen. And I thought to myself, like, oh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, what's the story there? It's like obviously she wanted to have kids, and maybe he didn't want kids. Maybe she couldn't have kids. It's I don't know. I mean, the show is never going to go that deep into this sort of thing because it's a yeah. Problem. But it, this show gives you just enough to where you kind of wonder what it would have been if it was more of a soap opera where you did go in to that world rather than the comedic route because they they always give you tidbits and it makes me wonder and I get ideas and I think about, oh, well, it would be cool if they added like this in their own little mythos or, you know, if we delve more deeply into the Kravitzes and the nosy neighbors and stuff. So I don't know. It, it is fascinating because they do give you more than your typical sitcom. There's it, That's why it feels different than most sitcoms. Like it doesn't feel like the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch feels like the epitome of a sitcom, but Bewitched feels like a special kind of Brady Bunch can nostalgic be thing. <laughs> Oh yeah, really yeah, and, yeah. I almost wish we were. So even to get Mike Brady, Mike Brady giving you life lessons. It's like, oh my god, now you know. <laughs> even even he. Even if you don't he, love yourself, um, you can never love another. Thanks, Dad. Yo, 
what was the actual toilet? <laughs> yeah, you gotta wonder where they are. Maybe they just don't. Maybe they're like Barbie and Ken, and they they just don't have to use the bathroom or something. I don't uh, know. No, they went out. They went out <laughs> in the astroturf and scratched scratched away at the astroturf like cats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, even uh, Michael Brady's character, uh, the actor, I forget what his name is, Robert Reed. Robert, yeah. I think yeah. um, even he was actually sick of the Brady Bunch and he wanted to get more involved in like the script because he just thought the episodes were so redundant and ridiculous and preposterous that no one would Arson, take them seriously. Arson. So, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I, lo- I well, love. I love Jan's wig. Jan's wig. Yeah. The wig. Oh my god. Well, I think oh, I mean yeah. Brady Bunch is kind of weird because when you watch, it's a bit. Yeah, I, I, you know, and let's be honest, Bewitch is kind of going to go down this kind of road as well when we get. Oh, that's true. Yeah, in this, when it gets Where closer to the seventies, yeah, yeah, and what happens is they they start out with good intentions. Like if you watch the first season yeah. of Brady Bunch, it's not that cringeworthy. But then as the years go on, and I guess they are running out of ideas, and then what you get, yeah. and then all of a sudden everything just becomes a bit more cringeworthy, and they start playing everything down to like the dumbest caliber. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. They all oh, this works, so we'll make them sing. No, please don't. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see Greg and Marsha with the weirdest romantic chemistry, even though they're supposed to be brother and sister. I know. And you wonder, like, like what's going on here? Yeah, what was I don't know. <laughs> well, they weren't they weren't really brother and sister though, were they? Well, no, but there was also stuff going on behind, there, behind the scenes. There, so. There's there's no there's no blood between um um Greg and Marsha anyway, so they could have dated really. Yeah, technically. Technically. God, that would have been awkward. There have been no deformed children there. We, we, seeing as we're on, we've gone down this road, we can't forget the Partridge family. Well, the Partridge are fine because they were always on the road, so it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Even though, even though Lori always kind of looked too dreamily at Keith, her own brother, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, but going back to Bewitched, I, I think that... Um, I th- and I think the lesson that we also get learned in this episode is really played be- very beautifully that it's not the gift, it's not what you receive, right. it's the, the giving. And I thought that was really delicately put in there and it was really nice. Mm-hmm. And of course, we, pl- we see that with um, the, the Billy Mummy's character when yeah. his new parents show up and he gives them like, here's the, pr- you know, I bought you this, you know, I got you this toolkit. From the no, oh no, I can't say that sort of thing, and and then they go, can we open together, we can build things together, and I thought that was quite nice. And that it wasn't about what they brought him; it was about what he gave them. And I thought that was a quite way to get the yeah. nice message across, sort of thing. Nice well, time. it was a, there was a bit of a um, a Christmas Carol thing going on with this, except with the little boy. Um, so it was it was a similar kind of message, but they they played it to where they weren't directly copying it. it and I don't even think they might have even referenced it, but it might have just been a coincidence. But regardless, it did have that kind of warm message come across at the end anyway. So, well, he kind of realized sure he wasn't dreaming was. and it actually happened. Yeah. Well, another thing is, you're not quite sure if Darren realizes that it really happened or was a dream when he wakes up. Well, he was cold when he woke up, remember? Because it's cold. He, but he also goes, I had this really weird dream and went to the North Pole. Yeah. This is like, and she goes, and, and like, Samantha doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. But I've, the only odd thing about this whole episode is that when Billy Mummy's character goes and see the sees the other orphan boy at the Kravitz, and of course, he tells him everything, and Gladys over here, so, so on and so forth. 
And then, of course, you know, Kravitz goes out goes, I, I don't know what you're talking about sort of thing. And then they go, Abner and Gra- Gladys go back in. And then he breaks the fourth wall and speaks to us and says, what was I supposed to do? A secret yeah. is a secret. And I found that kind of like, oh, why is he? That's kind of weird that he broke the fourth wall there. Yeah. I know that wasn't very common for, and it's not consistent with the other. Well, no, I, I guess Samantha kind of does it, but she doesn't directly look into the camera. Because remember when she says, uh, what, what does she say? It's, I think the first episode, maybe I'll taper off or something like that. And then she goes upstairs to bed, but she doesn't directly look into the audience, but it does kind of have that breaking the fourth wall kind of feel. But Darren does it also in the first episode, I think. Yeah. They, they, he says, they kind of, yeah. And they had the narrator helping you break the fourth wall as well in the first yeah. two or three episodes as well. So, yeah. So, it's have to make some it, adjustments. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of weird, I guess, to, you know, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, they could have, I guess if you want to be panicky about the whole thing, they could have played it differently where it's just like, I kept your secret sort of thing or shouts across right. the street at him or whatever, I guess, but who knows? Yeah. But it, yeah, I, thought, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't ruin the episode at all. It was like, oh, it just broke the fourth wall sort of thing as the credits start to roll. Yeah, it's so, just curious. <laughs> Now we get to our last episode that we're covering in Bewitched called It's Magic. Samantha hires Zeno the Great, played by Walter Burke, to reform a charity bazaar and becomes his assistant to help the magician gain self-confidence. When Roxy, played by Virginia Martin, Zeno's former assistant, returns to capitalize on his newly found fame, Samantha tries to stop the scene-stealing Clifton the scene stealing Clifton Norton appears as Norman the waiter my okay my thoughts of this episode it's kind of one of those throwaway episodes until you get to the point where you realize the magician is a alcoholic and the way Samantha deals with that that was kind of that that was a kind of endearing in a weird way because he, when she goes in there okay she's she's on what well, she's on committee do you remember what committee she was on it, it to save the hospital or raising money for a hospital, hospital charity. Okay, yeah. and to have something going on. And she mm-hmm. happens to um, uh, find this, was it word of mouth or whatever? Was it through agent? I couldn't remember, but she, $50 was probably a lot the way, of money. It was, through, it was through the waiter. Through the waiter. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. But that's got to be a lot of money, 50 bucks back then to put on a performance. Yes. And then he just happens to, you know, be, be hitting the sauce when she's there. And she she makes him see things. Like, what was it? Like animals? I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was the goldfish and then it was a parrot. I think that was it. I thought it was something else, though. Something else. But anyway, I kind yeah. of felt bad for this guy because he's really kind of shackled to a really not nice gold digging kind of woman who kind of uses him to get. What uh, she she's just not a nice. Yeah, Roxy. <laughs> and she's super tall and domineering. So very perfect for she's the like, role. Yeah, she's like a dominatrix. <laughs> she's just an awful human being, basically. I have to oh, yeah. say that I, did, I didn't realize how big she was until, because you kind of see her in the beginning, Samantha, she like storms yeah. out and Samantha's coming in, so you don't really take much notice of her. You kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. there she goes. And then when she shows up on stage with him, and then you see her neck, and you think, she's quite a big girl, actually. She's, she's, very, just a she's, yeah. she's kind of Amazonian, but he's already kind of small on the small side anyway, you know? Yeah. But, but she was Amazonian next to Samantha as well. Yeah, I know. I noticed that too. No, she's kind of a petite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh. 
But it was kind of a sad story. In, in a, but, I mean, this guy, he's lost his... Now, who hasn't lost their confidence from time to time? Like I said, yeah. these stories are so relevant to your life sometimes. That's what's so endearing about these stories. They really are, because it always seems to have one little bit in there that you can find relevant. One time or another, you might have had this problem with a relative, or you felt yeah. like you weren't good enough, and you're having a confidence problem, or you needed somebody just to be your friend, even if it was just somebody for a day. And she just comes right in, you know, and gets the guy, you know, uh, onto the stage. But he's not really that good, is he? No. Uh, she kind no. of, well, she kind of helps him along a little bit with the rabbits because she had, wasn't like 20 rabbits come out of that hat. They keep coming out. I mean, of she, <laughs> she kind of did most of the work. She did most of the heavy lifting for him. Let's be real. He never really did do anything. But she kind of, I think, did she kind of change up her outfit? I guess it was a little less than what she actually wore, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, it was I think, just I think supposed she put to be a long skirt. I think she put a long skirt with it. I think didn't she? It was. I think she was supposed to wear hot you could pants. See, you could see the hot pants underneath of the skirt, so it was a see-through skirt. It was almost pointless just because you could see through it. <laughs> and Darren was like, "Whoa!" Even though compared to today's yeah. standards, it was still pretty risque. It was still pretty, or- her husband, probably a married lady, I guess, didn't go around and dress like that. Yeah, I thought yeah. that you know to, to show a bit more Gladys, we could see the other, the two women bullying Gladys because they they would saddle with this job and they always gave it to the new girl to find the talent for little money. Yeah. Fifty, okay, they, oh, they gave you fifty quid, didn't they? You no, know, they expected to get talent for that. So obviously, fifty dollars wasn't a lot for talent for someone to carry a talent show on. You know what I mean? To be your star person. So you're not going to get David Copperfield, are you? For no. Yeah. But I well, mean, it was, it was just local small town stuff too. Like yeah. they weren't. Yeah. With the local small time television show. Yeah. yeah I guess exactly. we'll probably be on like at five, five o'clock on local television, I guess. Probably. Yeah. Um, Probably the real slow slot of the day in the afternoon, you know. <laughs> Taking up that was sort of like that that stupid PBS show that nobody wants to watch at five o'clock. Exactly. Exactly. No, I was about to say that it was, it's totally like a PBS thing. Or or WWNY uh, upstate New York Channel Seven. <laughs> Dan, Danny Burgess's I'm going to have the cub the, the Cub Scouts or the Girl Scouts <laughs> gallery. I mean, Dirty no one's impressed. <laughs> The thing is, no one's impressed by that level of, you know, uh, magic or magicianry. I don't know what they call it, but um, yeah, that that kind of magic is, I think, is totally outdated because it's not impressive. Everybody knows it's fake. It's, I mean, you've seen that they use that kind of magic even in like Brady Bunch. There's like the episodes where Peter does that kind of magic well, for like a stage show. Anyone can do though, it. Isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But when you have like someone like David Blaine, is it? Yeah, David Blaine, David, David Copperfield. Like that's like you wonder if they're actually like practicing some black magic. I know what the hell, how do they make that shit just like the statue of Liberty disappear? You know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Well, and that's, I guess, and that's what I guess this, I guess that's what, because the problem basically is with this episode is like outside of um, his alcoholism and the way Samantha deals with it, which is a fantastic scene. But then when you get to the magic part of it and you're kind of thinking to yourself is like, was this impressive for 1964? Possibly. I know you have to wonder. I, I don't know. Because I mean, you know, what holding rabbits out of hats is so it's so it feels like so eighteen hundreds or something, doesn't it? Nineteen hundreds yeah, no, kind it, of it, magic sort of thing. Yeah. And well, it's, like Henry, it's, uh, I guess it's like, something like that. Or school or um kids' birthday parties kind of magic. 
Exactly. Basically, yeah, for little kids, because I have had been to those parties. Asher's never had one. But my kids in the way in the past, that's 20 years. So we're talking two decades now. My kids are in their 20s, mm-hmm. you know, like five and six year old birthday parties and stuff that we go to. And it was a big deal to see a rabbit come out of a hat. Yeah. You know, doves come out of a hat or they split the lady in half, which still I can't get out. I just still don't know how they do that. I know it's all smoke and mirrors, but it looks real. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of that kids are just wowed by it. They just are yeah. not many now because they got Xboxes and shit like that. But little kids don't get wowed <laughs> by stuff like that. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when you get when he gets his like 13 weeks on a TV show um, or however local it is. Um, and I guess it kind of makes you think to yourself, "Is like okay." And I guess that it's almost there's more believability in Samantha being a real witch in real life than there is to the thirteen. I guess they, so. That kind of like it kind of takes the show and kind of makes it weird. And I guess and I guess they try to fix that with the milk trick and having Darren try to do that at the end, sort of thing. Oh you know yeah, I mean? he was trying to figure out yeah. how to do that. He was he getting he, yeah he had a whole gallon of milk there didn't he and the thing just mm-hmm. kept trying to make that that's it, it, kind of funny though they do do I mean I couldn't do it I've tried it in the past you know because I've seen it on TV but I still yeah. could do it but yeah. and I guess I, I, it's kind of weird because I think that the first half of the sh- the first half of the show works really really well but I think this second half especially when you get the overbearing girl coming in and she's acting like a total cow sort of thing she's Mm -hmm. not a nice person and and you think to yourself and and he's like and he goes oh you know and then when she leaves he kind of misses her a little bit and you're thinking and then and then you see this and it's like what the hell has he missed sort of thing exactly what kind of woman is this person and i guess that that for this for this reason i think this show is a bit uneven though i i mean it's better than most episodes in most series around this time sort of thing right um but it would have been quite nice to have and i guess this is also a retread of what we had before we had another episode that we dealt with the same kind of thing where samantha helps someone out they get their confidence so we're kind of getting a retread also with this that's true. It, it is kind of like that one baseball episode with that little boy um, precisely that's the, it, the baseball yeah it, it is kind of like that where because she, she was doing the same thing there too and she she kind of did it with her friends too trying to get her to get a man so she does kind of play that role a lot um it's it's in real life but this one really this one does seem a, re, a retread of the baseball but it did seem like a total yeah. retread of the baseball except that the kid wasn't an alcoholic that's the only difference <laughs> yeah i kind of like it better with the kid to be honest that episode worked much better just because it was with a child i don't really care for this episode just because i don't know it feels like so many different characters from so many shows i've already seen they even uh in the wonder woman tv show there was a similar magician guy it might have even been the same actor i don't know because you know they just recycled <laughs> the same actors for the it's same insane what he played uh, on something. What was his name again? It's driving Walter, me nuts. Walter Burke is the name of the actor. Walter what? Walter Burke Walter is the actor. Burke. That's just making... He could have been on Little House on the Prairie, too. Who knows? Well, who hasn't been on Little House on the Prairie? Or Even the Catherine Lee Scott has been on Little House on the Prairie. I remember when I, I saw remember. her after watching Dark Shadows. No Walter, way. Really? Walter yeah. Burke was in Support Your Local Sheriff. Yeah. All the King's Men. M. Um. Hello, Larry. 
Well, you know you made it Irish when you're in Hillary. American. He's Irish American. That would explain the drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, folks. L- love American style. He was in the Doris Day show. He was in that Bonanza. He actually was in Bonanza from 1961 to 1972. That's where I remember seeing him constantly then. And he was also in Adam 12. Yeah, he. I knew he'd been on a lot of things. He's just got a memorable face. I remember him in support of your local gunfighter. I don't remember that, but I remember the other stuff. That's the about the con artist with James Gardner and Susan Plissett. It's one of those comedy. Okay, okay. Um, almost like a Blazing Saddle-ish kind of um, take, but about years earlier. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack the Giant Killer. I mean, looking looking at him in some Western stuff, yeah, I can see him there a lot more. Yeah, yep, definitely. So, yeah, he, he had a lot of he had that face. I mean, I knew yeah, I seen him. But so he was very good. I have to there say he was very good in that role. Yeah, he, he played the downtrodden alcoholic, um, bad magician very very well. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, he was almost too good for the role when you think about it, because he's he's a good actor. Well, good yeah. actors add depth to really basic characters because, I mean, if you didn't have a good actor for a role like this, it would be such a basic character that you probably would lose interest because the episode already is probably my least favorite, but it's because of the actors you in the like chemistry. This episode, and Jess. Not, not, it's not my favorite. <laughs> it's not that I just terribly dislike it, but compared to other episodes, this is not my favorite at all. Yeah, um, it's there a little are better darker. Ones. It's a little. It's it's not as yeah. I mean, it's got yeah. some stuff going. It's got. On. I, I think it's got some really high. It's got, it's got. Um, it's got a really. I think it's it's very uneven as well. I yeah. Think, I yeah. That's I appreciate to put it. Yeah, I, I appreciate think, it because it showcases, um, you know, more of Samantha and how she handles situations really well, um, and how she can affect people. I I really like that um, effect when you see how characters with good hearts and good natures affect the people that are in their lives. And I think that happens a lot with Samantha's character. Just by being charming and being compassionate, she, uh, you know, always has people who are kind of just hopeless come around somehow just because of who she is as a person, regardless of the fact that she can practice magic or not. And I, I sit there and say, if it wasn't for the, the alcohol, him being an alcoholic in that one scene where she doesn't even mention it to him, she do, you know, she doesn't even like, oh, you need to stop drinking. She doesn't do it that way. She does it so delicately and so flawlessly. And that she like, doesn't, oh, this is, and, and, you're, and our goes, she doesn't oh, make him feel like really, a shameless. Yeah, precisely. And she does that. And it's like, <laughs> and, and I think if the, the whole episode continued like that a little bit, I think it would have been better. But then as we do get yeah. the whole, we, but we get a whole, that was almost like then they tapped the base, the whole baseball episode on again, because, you know, yeah. what do we get? We get Abner and Gladys showing up at the TV studio. Right. Abner, Abner, she's around here somewhere. So they watch her. She can, you know, and we get that, we get that whole scene replayed again, sort of thing. Yeah. You kind of need it. It's a bit. It's almost a throwaway you, episode, especially after yeah, the you Christmas kinda, episode. So. Exactly, you would kind of need something like um, a different outcome. I think a totally different layout for the rest of the episode because I think it starts off on a strong note, but you kind of would have to change the rest of it just to make it like mean something and and not be a total remake of the previous episode because it really right. is just kind of a rehashing of the same theme that they already had in a prior episode. So.
comfort to keep When you're with the Flintstones Have a yabba-dabba-doo time A dabba-doo time We'll have a gay old time so here we are to a special Merry Christmas episode that we started to share with you. And we're going to do the crossover, which is the Flintstones, which was showing on ABC, which is showing on ABC in the evenings, which was an evening program at the time. And the 1960 episode of the, the Flintstones was titled Samantha from 1965. It featured Dick York and Elizabeth Montgomery as Darren and Samantha Stevens. We have just moved into the neighborhood. This crossover was facilitated by both series being broadcast on ABC in 1964 primetime. So, Jesse, what are your thoughts Samantha from the Flintstones? This was a really, really funny episode. It, yeah. was, it was really cute. <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, I um down I with misogyny. Watching it. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Like, oh my gosh, it was so. I, I could see why this would be more geared towards like an adult cartoon for the '60s, just because there were more of that um, adult-oriented, like men, how men see women and stuff like that, and how women were going to outsmart their husbands and stuff like that. But the thing is, the um, writers caved into that ideology and actually made. Um, Betty and who was the redhead again? Wilma. 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 Yeah, Wilma. Betty and Wilma. They actually made them kind of cave into that stereotype. And I was actually kind of frustrated by that aspect, but the rest of it was really funny. Um, I love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I. I do like this episode. Um, the Flintstones is kind of an odd thing because I don't know if I like it because of nostalgia or do I like it because it's good sort of thing. Because I mean, yeah. Flintstones for me is what I grew up with sort of thing. And it reminds me of my whole childhood and stuff like this. But I do wonder if it's um, if it's because of nostalgia or is it because um, is this a good series sort of thing. Um, and I do think that there are a lot of things I do like about this. I think that I think the show could have been better. I just wish, and I, you know, watch this episode and I love the way that we kind of get, it's kind of like seeing a full half hour episode of the opening credits of Bewitched, you know, with the whole Yeah, cartoon. I know, I know. I thought that was cool too. It's the same art. Hanna-Barbera did the original thing. And it was weird seeing their cartoon heads with the voices coming out. Like you see the main title screen bewitched characters with the actual voices i was wondering if they were going to change it and i remember watching like the first few seconds and trying to listen to samantha because i i could clearly hear dick york coming out of um darren's face but then at first i was like is that actually elizabeth montgomery because the voice didn't it sounded very um it lacked the character at first when she was saying goodbye to Darren. Like, what? Who is? Is that her? I couldn't even tell. But then it, later it, on, you obviously hear that it's it lacked. Her. It lacked some of the emotion, I think. That yeah, it, it was weird. Some of those like I come in to read my lines, and that's what I've done. Sort of thing. It wasn't like I'm going to get into character and do these lines. Sort of simple that. Yeah. I mean, it's cute, and I love seeing the crossover, and it's fantastic to have a crossover. But I do. I mean. But I did wish I God, I wish Endora popped in. Wouldn't it be great to have Endora oh pop in? Gosh, the yes. And I love that. It's yes. Like, oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, Samantha, what are you doing in these Stone Age days or whatever or something? 
But I, I was confused as to why Darren and Samantha were moving. Like, I think they should have had them go on vacation there or something, just because it doesn't really fit in. And it yeah. is a crossover. I think it would have been better if they were like going on vacation there for a while and then had that little adventure or something, because it didn't really make a ton of sense. Yeah, so it's almost like you know there there is an alternative universe where Samantha and Darren are living in <laughs> yeah. times. <laughs> And, so I, I kind of, and there are certain things I wanted to see, like you know, when, Dar- when Darren has his car, does he have to like move it with his feet, or just or Samantha made it so he doesn't have to move it with his oh, feet? Oh, I know, because Darren wasn't like present. Darren mm-hmm. wasn't present. It's like, what the heck was he doing? Where was he working? You just moved. Like, where did you go? So he wasn't present, and it would have been fun to see him like partake in their little. I mean, why do you or go even on- interact with Barney and and Fred? And Fred, yeah. Why didn't he go on the camping trip? It's like you know they could have done. You know, basically, it's it's. Well, I mean, the episode is called Samantha. First of all, I guess. It's, yeah, um, that's true. And and like previous show, you know, you got you know you got the Flintstones, but in this case, you know, you got the neighbors that moved in. They only appear for one ep- one episode, but, but it was semi, you know, in um in Bedrock World, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's cute. It kind of reminds me of um. And Marg Rock when she did the Flintstones, or Rock Hudson when he yeah. did the Flintstones, or <laughs> or or Stony Curtis did when Tony Curtis right? did the Flintstones. So, and I guess, but they, they came on and they were played like celebrities. So it was like Anne May, Meg Rock was um, Meg Rock was basically and Anne Margaret as herself. And I guess, oh, really, yeah. And then uh, you know, and, and Stony Curtis was playing Tony. You know the heartthrob Stony Curtis from um, stage and screen was coming to yeah. Bedrock, and everyone, all the girls are chasing around. So, and and Rock Hudson as well. So it you know to have a real personality flit into this, it makes a little more sense. You know, it's a bit like mm-hmm. when Mama Cass when the Mama was appeared in um, Scooby Doo. You know, Mama Cass yeah. played Mama Cass. She was on Mama Cass, sort of thing. Yeah. Where this, I guess, is because you're trying to mesh two different TV series together, and for curiosity reasons, it's it's cute and it's fun. But as an episode of The Flintstones, I can't say it's one of the best ones ever done. No, no. But and I do think that Vendora was in it. It would have been a lot better. Oh, God, yeah. It would have been awesome. I would have loved to see what kind of outfit she would have tried to wear. Because, you know, Andorra's all about the fashion and being luxurious. And she's just so above, you know, anything, you know, that's dirty. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess, I mean, another thing you kind of want to see is that you didn't get enough of Samantha's house. Okay, she does, you know, she's, you know, she wiggles her little nose. Her house is totally done, but it's like you want to see her appliances because the best thing in the Flintstones is this appliance, isn't it? It's whether it's the elephant tusk that they're washing the dishes with, or something. Or the bird like, as the mop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you kind of think, oh, I want, I want to see what you know. I want to see what you know. Would, would, would she have those utensils? She's a witch, doesn't she? Would she have those kind of things? Sort of yeah. thing. Well, yeah. is she supposed to be a regular, average, average, ordinary prehistoric housewife? I imagine she has all the same things. Yeah, but she didn't. Have, you didn't see any of her appliances or anything because she kind of like shows up the house. Her and Darren show up on moving day. Darren goes to the office, so basically he doesn't appear at all. Then you get Samantha mixing with um, Betty and Wilma, which I there. I mean that that was fun seeing them, but as you know, as Jesse was saying, it would have been nice if Darren went on the fishing trip with Fred and Barney and have an interaction there. Well, he went on a boating trip, I believe. That's where he was. Yeah, but then but again, who? He who? I know he just moved in. They just moved in. 
Mr. Stone. It seemed like that they were in hiding, kind of sort of. No one knows them. Remember, he says, no one knows us. What did Samantha do? Were they on the run from someone in the other universe? Like, what happened? Why did they move there? I, I said in the beginning that they should have made it to where they were vacationing there or something like that, because that yeah. would have made a bit more sense. Yes, exactly. But to up and leave, do they even say what the name <laughs> of the town is that they live in? Not Bedrock, but, you know, and... and where uh, they come people, from. Huh? No, they kind of just arrived, and then they're like the new, the yeah. new, the new, the new couple, and then wasn't then Wilma and Betty go and I don't know, invite them to the neighborhood and so on. And, you know, no, I mean I like in the regular series, do they ever say what town they live in? They never say the Morning town. Morning Glory Circle. Yeah, they live in Morning Glory. Morning, that's Morning Glory Circle. That's that's. Their I think I think it's like Santa. I think it's like Santa Monica or someplace like that, isn't it? Something like that. I looked it's it up the other day. It's in California. We know that. Yeah, let me uh, look again. I think it's an actual place. Because I've never, I cannot recall them ever saying where they're from or where they live. Well, Samantha had the house, um, Samantha and Darren were house sharing anyway with um, the commander from um, I Dream of Genie. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Bellows, that's the same set. It's the exact same set. Yeah, so they're house sharing with Dr. Bellows. (laughs) It's in Burbank, California. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I knew it was like a suburb. I know there were suburban. LA. Yeah. yeah and then, and then um, it's very rare that you see Samantha walking down the street going shopping either. Kind of weird. I know. Like, I kind of wish you would see her outside of the house doing normal things sometimes. That was something I liked about the movie Bewitched with Nicole Kidman and uh, Will Ferrell is that you actually got to see you know, even though it wasn't Samantha actually, but she was playing kind of the Samantha role, you right. got to see her doing things right. that a single, well, I, I guess you saw a single version of Samantha through the, her character that Nicole Kidman was playing. And I kind of liked seeing her struggle with the household appliances, trying to figure them out, you know, like plugging in the TV and stuff. So even though the movie wasn't the best and would have been better as like a direct remake of Bewitched, you got to wonder why they went in the direction they did. Um, I did still enjoy it just because you kind of can imagine these characters in these scenarios and it is enjoyable to kind of see an alternative like, oh, Samantha has friends. Samantha's going to the store to, you know, the bookshop and she likes to smell the books and like trying to figure out what she's doing with her life. So she goes to the store to, you know, find a book that helps her figure out what to do with her life as a normal person. Or maybe she goes people watching at a cafe or, you know, just things like that. And I kind of wish you would have seen more of that from Samantha. And I I guess you get a little bit of that when uh, Samantha goes to Paris with her mother and then accidentally meets up with Larry. But I think, is that later? Did we cross that already? I don't remember. Yeah, we did that one. Did we? Okay. But it happens again. Yeah, I mean, it'd be good. um, Yeah. And I also think that it would have been more pleasant if Darren and Samantha weren't living in the West Coast. They were living more in the I mean, the East Coast, like in New York City yeah. or Nantucket or, you know what I mean? Somewhere where they had a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Like season. Even, if they, even if they were able to go visit those places, like if they could go to the city rather than just Darren always working, Samantha always being at the house, it's very limiting because they never go on vacation. Darren never has vacation time, it seems. 
Except maybe when they go to the country club and he goes golfing or something. I don't know. I don't know what they do. But well, they they, they, they do they do, go to the city and do fun things. They do they do travel a little bit when the show goes on, and then they and they start losing viewership. And then he, then he finds that they see travel. The Brady Bunch did it when they went to the Grand Canyon or when I, they went to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. Oh my God, shoot me. <laughs> so, but, but that's what sitcoms would do is when when that, when they get to the point where they you know it's like they're starting to fledge a little bit in the radio. Grasping at straws, and then you find that, and then yeah. they start leaving the set. They start leaving the set more and going out into the real world, sort of thing. So. No, when when the Brady Bunch uh, Hawaii episode happened, it totally reminded me of Scooby Doo. That's all I was thinking of. It felt like a Scooby Doo episode for some. That's reason. because you never worn a curse of tiki. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it did. But it did have Vincent Price. So I mean, I'll give it that sort of thing. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, so true. But um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we do get a little bit of Samantha mixing a little bit. We will get a little bit more of that here. We got the driving lesson coming up and things like that coming through. We're, she does go oh, yeah. out and, and she does she does go out to dinner for committees and stuff like this. But you don't have any of them that's walking true. down the street sort of. Thing seeing her running mm-hmm. but you know it's california so she had to drive everywhere and get out and then get into the restaurant and it's isn't? hell too trust me uh california. no no it, it is it's scary i'd be so scared to drive in california i that know just my girlfriend always like drove fun. i mean like get on the 405 it's i mean it's just insanity you got like 20 lanes of traffic it's, like, it's worse oh, than new york i thought new york city was bad to be able to drive there or have yeah. nerves of steel <laughs> Bottom line. <laughs> Which I do not have. I do not have nerves of steel. Not in that freaking place. No. <laughs> then you get stuck in your traffic under these big underpasses. And you're all, How would you ever make it to an appointment? The whole thing's like, man, this shit starts shaking. <laughs> you know, that goes through your mind. Goes through my mind anyway. From the co-writers of the Amazon top-selling serial story, Time Slingers, comes a new full-cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter, a supernatural steampunk western. Fourteen different characters voiced by 11 professional voice performers. A Korean bounty hunter named Flint finds himself in the middle of an occult plot to steal a powerful relic from an innocent woman. Get me the Iron Spur, and I will show you true power. Caught between the desperate sheriff who's becoming unhinged at the worst possible time. He mutters the word like a curse dipped in sarcasm. I draw my gun and shoot him between the eyes. And the phantom woman haunting his nightmares. The living always think the dead are worse off. Flint will have to make a choice. Confront the sheriff's posse of misfits or run. But he's losing time. An ogre of a man with a gatling gun for an arm. The brash and headstrong Pinkerton agent, Geraldine Abernathy. And a young, speedster idiot ludicrously named Fancy. 
dude. They'll all converge at the home of a widow who's lost everything but possesses the relic they all desire, the Iron Spur. Damn that trinket to hell. I don't care what it is or what it does or why the Duskfinders want it. I care about my children. Death of a Bounty Hunter. The weird western you've been waiting for. Available on www.deathofabountyhunter.com. I think what we discuss now is who our favorite characters and our least character, favorite character in this um, block. And this is excluding Flintstones. So, yep. so who started with Vicky? Who's your favorite character of this block and his favorite? Oh, God, this is a hard block for that. Favorite character. Well, I'm not going to say magician character. I'm going to say, I'm about to say Darren's mother. Because, for him, for yeah, you're finally, because you know, I, I just like how, well, eventually, you know, she always has her sick headaches. And, you know, she's actually a good, a good little actor. You know, she's, she says, oh, you know, I cut my right arm off. But I mean, it's, it's, it's so, God, I hope not a lot of people are listening to this. It's so real when it comes to mother-in-law, you know, people that are in your family. <laughs> because they don't. They, they love you, but, you know, there's just that one part wants to hold back. Are you being good to my boy? You know, or whatever. And there's Very all that in the back of the mind that are they really taking care of them? Because it's so real in some cases. And, you know, she really gets it across not wanting to be a nag. But, you know, at the same time, you know, she's going to be a pain in the ass. You know, mm-hmm. you just know that when she starts showing up, I mean, she's always going to get a bigger sick headache and things are going to happen. You but know. the thing is, when the episodes progress and she has more appearances, she never changes. Like, she's, she's always like, like that. She doesn't learn. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't learn from any of these experiences. No, she's just she always the same woman. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I just like seeing her introduction into the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like Darren's father, too, because he's almost like, you know, Gladys's husband, Abner, because you could tell yeah. right there, is this just the way men treated women back then? You know, just like with a little condescension. It must have been. Because you see it in, in a lot of sitcoms and you see it in movies at this yeah. time and in, in, in this era, it's just like, you know, it's just, well, that's why nowadays they're saying down with the patriarchy because yeah. they, they've had it. <laughs> it was all their fault. God damn it. But mm-hmm. you know, seriously, it, she was, she's a lot of fun and I like seeing her come in cause it's a fresh face, but um, I can't even say I have a least favorite character because I really like the magician. I don't know. I guess maybe I'd if I'd have to say any of them out of this block, it'd just probably be Abner because he's so monotone and they don't really have a whole lot going on. Gladys and Abner. They're just no. kind of there. At the moment, for yeah. Filler, for filler, maybe. You know, yeah. so you're probably right. The strongest episode probably is not the magician, even though they had a strong actor, character actor in there, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. But um, it, it's always hard to say which one you like best and which one you don't because most episodes are really fine. Have something endearing about them. The Christmas episode I have no problem with whatsoever. So I mean, mm-hmm. I'd have to say that the you know having you know the, the the little boy from Lost in Space he would have been a good choice too because what kid isn't going to be miserable? He has a horrible adolescent life going on he doesn't want to believe in santa claus and somebody shows him the magic of you know christmas spirit and whatnot it was just a real good feel-good episode 
But that was pretty much it for me. What about you guys? Jesse, your favorite character and least favorite character? He always has a hard time, um, too. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, again, I wasn't a huge fan of the Magician episode. So... But- I don't, I didn't like Roxy. I'm going to say her's my least favorite because she it was is a just, little bit of a twat weasel, wasn't she? <laughs> she was a good, she's a good actress because she genuinely made hey, me dislike her. So that's how you know that even though they're portraying like a nasty character, they did a good job if you genuinely hate them. <laughs> so um, I disliked her character the most. Aunt Clara was nice to see again in this episode. You're um, always going to like Aunt Clara. There's just nothing about the woman you can yeah. hate. Yeah. I know the actress, she must have been a really nice person and she she does a wonderful job portraying Aunt Clara and you just kind of, you you, you do kind of feel like you would about an infant about Aunt Clara kind of, you just kind of want to be protective of her and she's very sweet and mild mannered and friendly. I mean, yeah, there's you can't really dislike her. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't say... I'm happy to see Darren's mother, even though I do appreciate the addition. She's just, she's so aggravating. I can't stand her. I know, I know it's the point, but I still, oh, I can't do it. There you have it. Um, I, I think my, my least favorite is going to be Roxy. I think that I, I just find that I just, it was just a bit too much. And and, and oh, I think that that's... And, I, and I think that if they if they I'm not sure if they wrote it differently or if she was acted differently and we got something that wasn't so obnoxious. I think we yeah. could add a wonderful episode um, in that because it starts out so beautifully and then it kind of turns into that and it all has to do and all hinges on the Roxy character's ambition and I thought that kind of. I think that kind of ruined the episode for me. It didn't make it quite even. Well, right. That part was Darren, quite satisfying when she was blown into smoke. Like, that's the funniest part. <laughs> She's trying to throw the fishbowl and she just vanishes in a puff of smoke. I'm like, yes, go yeah. away. <laughs> and then I guess um, my my favorite, Aunt Clara is always going to be my favorite no matter what. But yep. to go outside the box, looking outside of that, I love Darren's dad. I think he's yeah. fantastic, and I and I, I do like Darren's mom, but I think of Darren's mom is because I do recognize her from Barefoot in the Park. I recognize her in That Girl. She was Donald Hollinger's yes. mom, all those, and um, she was in What's Up, Doc. And so it's the actress I love a lot. Every time I see her, she always plays these kind of roles, but I always love her, and, and she's always game to. She's always kind of game to do that whole thing when she can. Always, right, right. And she just and she can always go over the top, but she doesn't. She always pulls it in, sort of thing. So, to, so she she's always a bit obnoxious and overbearing, but she plays that part so well. Yes, so, she does. So I did. I had to sit there and say so. So I'm going to make that tie with um, Darren's mom and Darren's dad because I think they're a great double act and they play off each other fantastic well. And you do believe that they're married. You have, you know, you watch it and you believe that they're in a real, real relationship. And these are two actors who just came in for the day, sort of thing, to do their show, sort of thing. So now what we're going to do is tell us what our favorite episode is. So, Jesse, what's your favorite episode of this block? Hmm. My favorite episode, hmm, it might be, 
What was the very first episode again? I'm trying to remember. That's all Adam um, West. Adam West and playing playing Kermit. Oh, like yeah. I, it's either it's either that one or the Christmas one. I think that I liked the most. Kermit, maybe. Kermit. Hmm. It might be a tie between those two, maybe, just because um, it it is slightly different than the other episodes. Um, and I kind of liked that, I guess. So it might be a tie between those two. I didn't. And then what were the last two episodes, uh, besides the um, the the magician and um, the magician meeting and Darren's what parents. was the other one? A meeting Darren's. Oh yeah, parents. yeah, yeah. I think I liked the first two um, more than I liked these other two, um, just because I've seen the I've seen the introduction to um, Darren's parents so much that it it just kind of lost its. Uh, luster as much yeah it's, it's lost a bit of that just because that's the one that plays on tv all the time so i've seen that the most um so the first two that we watched i think were my favorites so it'll be it's a tie for those ones and what about yourself Vix? it would happen to be the christmas one because i just like you know how everybody got into the the act of christmas and they were helping out the two little boys and it was just one of those feel-good kind of things and i think we all need to see those feel-good kind of things this year December of 2020 <laughs> you just can't get enough yeah. feel good whatever this year and I just I just like how it was written and it's it was just it was just a really nice episode and it did leave you feeling happy after you know it was it was genuine that's what I liked about that one the most is that yeah. it was they weren't trying to up the ante and make it super Christmassy making it about you know about getting gifts or getting this and about all that warm fuzzy yeah shit. That we all need yeah, this but, time of year. Yeah, <laughs> but it was more about like it, even us taking the Christmas aspect aside. I mean, just the fact that it was about um, like Samantha and Darren kind of taking in or an orphan. Like, I think that's the most moving aspect. And Samantha's like the perfect person for someone like that little boy to uh, meet in his life, and obviously had a big impact. So I, that's why I like the episode the most. The Christmas stuff aside. Um, and why I think it made the episode so much better because when you think about, you know, Christmas, it could have been a very typical thing, a very romantic mistletoe kind of Christmas with just Darren and Samantha, but they added something that had more meaning to it. And that is something that I like because it wasn't like a Hallmark movie. And there's so many <laughs> of those kinds of, you know, going, we're going to Hallmark, mm, man. It's like, I feel like it's my <laughs> whole fist down my throat. and blah, I know. Hallmark. There's no good. There's no ah, good Hallmark I, movie. No but good Hallmark I, I I have to disagree. I love all those Hallmark Christmas movies. I watch every single. <laughs> yeah. and, I, I do, and I do actually. I and if it makes if sometimes they bring a tear to my eye and I get a bit choky. Not all the time, but sometimes. Every once in a while, I see one that I like, but I mean, it's just too much. How much romance can a girl take at Christmas time? Yeah, okay. but, but every, every, no, every, every no, once in a while, it catch me by surprise. And you know, I know, but that's that's what the joyness of Christmas is. Christmas needs to be left in fantasy world. That's true. That's what Christmas is. So I don't want I don't want a reality Christmas. I want a fantasy Christmas, and that's what I love. Well, I watch the great fantasy, fantasy Christmas, <laughs> but, but fantasy Christmas to me are always as uh, in your childhood because Christmas is a fantasy. That's right. See, and, it, I wanted the Nutcracker in the Four Realms to be better than it was because that would have been like the perfect movie for like something that I would want to see. Like what I envisioned for that movie, I wanted that movie so much to represent the Christmas that I would envision, but it just. It it just felt like a copy of Alice in Wonderland with a different cast. Right. 
So yeah, I mean, so so, but as far as my favorite episode is, it is a tie. It is with um, Darren's par- parents coming, and the reason being is because I think there's such beautiful pathos and some beautiful performances, and the Aunt Clara and the Darren and Aunt Clara being accepted by Darren's parents, I love, and Darren have and showing an actual fondness and love towards Clara. And having Clara accept in the family really touches me. And every time I watch that episode, it touches me like, you know, very, very well. And the Christmas episode, because I think it's so beautifully played. It's able to keep the roots of um, Bewitch, keep true to Bewitch, but still play everything very, very beautiful. Um, my least favorite episode is unfortunately The Magician. And it's only because, and this has nothing to do with the people in it, but I think it's so uneven. If they were able yeah. to keep the magic that they had in my two favorite episodes that tied for my two favorite episodes, they were able to keep it with him yeah. being alcoholic and finding his confidence and you know coming off the bottle and have that warmth he had in the first 10 minutes and be able to carry that for the final um, 10, 15 minutes. It would have been a winner for me, but I found it very uneven. Yeah. So I think I think Roxy was she kind of just stuck out like this sort of thumb. Maybe if she was just completely eliminated and they focused on something else, it would have been better. But she did kind of um, divert the entire plot to her a little bit kind of like she was playing the character in the show I mean I guess that was the purpose but I think it was a mistake just because it totally takes away from the um, the focal point of Samantha and how she affected um, the magician character and how that could have gone a different direction without the Roxy character it's almost like basically he didn't have any confidence because of her, but he, he didn't have any confidence because he wasn't that good. You know what I mean? And that yeah. I think, and so therefore if they stuck to that theme, that beginning, that basically his confidence was spent, was off because of whatever. And then yeah. she, he finds his confidence within himself, not because his confidence fell because of someone else that, that and they, yeah. it's, it's, to me, it's kind of a lazy plot point. And, it, and I, and I don't, and, it, and if it was meant to be funny, it wasn't funny. It wasn't enjoyable. No, I, I didn't. I didn't laugh. So, the only time I laughed was when she finally disappeared because I was actually glad that she was gone from that episode. Yeah, precisely, because she's just annoying. It's like you know, yeah. it's like an annoying Karen talking to, talking, talk, yelling at you in the street about wearing a face mask. Yeah. That kind of a character. Yeah, and she did kind of overplay it too. I think maybe if it was more downplayed and she, it was more subtle and not in your face, it might have been less obnoxious. But because it was like overplayed it was very obnoxious and if she wasn't so amazonian if, I, if maybe they found a petite girl to do it, it would have been funnier it's like with a really, yeah. really annoying voice like i can't stand it i wouldn't even you know something like that would have been quite funny so I So anyway, that brings us to the end of this Bewitched episode. Um, we want to we want to wish all our listeners a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Holiday, and Happy Hanukkah to all our Jewish people out there. And make sure you have a joyous and happy holiday. Um, next week, we do our Nature versus Man, which will be covering Toxic Avenger, the musical, and Anna the Apocalypse. And as a special Christmas treat, we will be having an interview that will be airing um, next weekend as well with a cast and crew and the people who wrote the music for Anne and the Apocalypse, the first ever Christmas zombie musical which I suggest that if you haven't watched it, I suggest you go out and see this. Watch it. It's so This will end up becoming a new Christmas standard for everyone who sees it. Yes, sir. 
And then, of course, we'll continue on Christmas Day. Our Christmas Day episode will be Dark Shadows. And on Boxing Day here in the UK or the day after um, Christmas um, elsewhere in the world, um, the Roger Davis interview will be out as well, who plays Peter. Um, and then, of course, we'll be back for a classic uh, novels episode um, in the new year, which will be airing on the 2nd of January, the day after New Year's, which will be The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the original novel and the film. So it's good night for myself and good night, Vicky. Good night, everybody. Merry Christmas. Good night, Jesse. Have a good night, folks. Rest easy. <laughs> Jesse's not over. I'm so not. (laughs) And a Merry Christmas to our listeners out there. Be kind and take care of yourselves. Mr. Santa, bring me some toys. Bring Merry Christmas to all girls and boys. And every night I'll go to sleep singing. And dream about the presents you'll be bringing Santa. Santa. Promise me, please, give every reindeer a hug and a squeeze. I'll be good as good can be. Mr. Santa, don't forget me. Our toes We've used the Kleenex when we've blown our noses. Santa, Santa, look at our ears. They're clean as whistles. We're sharper than shears. Now we put you on the spot, Mr. Santa. Bring us a lot, Santa. Here comes Santa. Some toys bring me a lot.